right, welcome to Little New Neil. I am your host of Orion Rising. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Okay, I'm on my cell phone broadcasting right now, just so you guys know, so hopefully you guys can hear me okay, and hopefully you can see me okay, right? Uh, my computer, my Wi-Fi is down, so I'm on 5G on my cell phone broadcasting to you today. So hopefully it's coming through. Okay. Hi, Dennis. Or hi, Denise. I see you there. Let me look with my glasses or my bifocals. Angela, welcome. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear me. Let me know you can hear me okay. I know you can see me because I can see what you can see, right? <laughs> I'm not pointing at the camera. I'm pointing at the monitor. So uh, hopefully you guys can see. All right. Share this out. Share this out. Share this out. Like I said, I'm on my phone doing uh, 5G while my Wi-Fi is down. I'm trying to figure out. It's coming on, but um, it's coming on to, uh, I can't get my computer to sync up with the uh, high-speed uh, internet. So uh, because of that, I'm resetting my Wi-Fi over and over and uh, trying to get it to hook up. If I could get it to hook up, and I have a secondary Wi-Fi that's up here, um, that if I could get my computer to hook up to that, it'd be okay. But my computer doesn't have Wi-Fi connection, so it has to be hardwired. So I may, once it comes back, if it doesn't work, I may hardwire it into the other router. Uh, in, in which case, if I do that, then I can boot up the computer and I can just jump in on the computer and turn this off. Um, and then you'll have to see me on the microphone. Right? <laughs> Otherwise, so you can hear me okay. So that's good. Well, maybe we'll just stay here. Maybe I'll just plug this in uh, and, and we'll just stay with this uh, the rest of the day, right? I know it looks weird over here. I got it all, I'm all jacked up looking up instead of if I put it straight up and down, I have nothing to set it on. So I'm sitting on the computer right below the monitor, which is right here. So I have the little thing in the back that swings out. And so it's sitting there. So if I lean in, I don't look so crazy, right? So, okay. So today we're going to talk about dreams, right? Um, we talked about that the other day because there are different, you know, see the network's up. I'm going to try plugging the computer into the other router and we'll see what happens. So hold on a second while I stand up and do that, right? So think about that, okay? So what's that? There's a lot of people saying um, there have been having problems. Oh, with Wi-Fi and stuff? Okay, so maybe it's not just me. I get problems uh, with my Wi-Fi. Welcome, uh, Melissa. Um, so, yeah, how goes it, Sir Druid? Thank you for that. Um, I don't usually talk about that. It's funny that, that Peter um, uh, talked about that. I, uh, again, I, Peter from South Africa, I was talking to a, um, a psychic, and we're going to do a live uh, uh, with her read, and then we're talking about maybe having her do some stuff. Jacob, welcome, brother. Um, yeah, well, hi. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good, buddy, except for my Wi-Fi is tripping right now. Uh, so I'm on my cell phone doing uh, 5G on my cell phone right now while I'm uh, going to change the Wi-Fi from my computer to uh, instead of being on my Xfinity box, which keeps logging into the slow Wi-Fi, not the, um, the, uh, the fast, the, the super speed. I have like second fastest you can pay for. And it won't log into it for some reason today. It does it every now and then. It gets stupid. And I had to reset my computer three or four times. But I do have another uh, um, a modem here I'm going to plug into, right? So, yeah, right? Great topic. Dreams, right? So let me plug this in and see what happens uh, for a second here. And uh, I'm going to plug it from this router. Where is it hooked in here now? So let me do that real fast while you guys are thinking about that. Um, and share this out. Share this out. We're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about the different types of dreams and how that happens in, in your head. You have to remember um, being raised a Druid. Uh, Peter pointed this out last night that um, he and I, because we're, we're raised, you're very European Druid. It's very similar to the native American 
uh, uh, shamanistic ways. And uh, being 5% native, I kind of, as a kid, caught on to that and started seeing the similarities. And you guys know that I see the similarities in everything. I crack codes, I crack languages, and, and you know, that's why the CIA tried to recruit me, or, the, or I'm sorry, the um, military intelligence, uh, military industrial complex of the Air Force trying to get me when I was 11 to join the, the, uh, those guys and, and do that because I have a knack for doing that. I see patterns and stuff, right? So um, I, I started looking into the Native American dreamscapes and their, and their dream walking and their controlling uh, of the dreams when you have issues. I'm looking like I'm looking at the other camera now and I'm supposed to be looking over here. So think about that for a second. I'm going to plug this in and see how that does. Okay, so hold on just a bit here. So let me see what that does for the big computer. I have a couple other options I can play with there. Um, but in meanwhile, I'll just do it here if I have to. Like I said, I'll go grab my plug uh, and plug in if I need to. And we'll see how that turns out. Because it says that one's online. So I could probably even do that here and not do 3G or 5G. Okay, so, so like, okay, here's a perfect example. Today I had a dream this morning, and I still haven't figured out what exactly it means myself okay so i'm someplace and i don't know where it, it just seems that uh, i'm there and i'm with other people and there's at least one person who's with me like a sidekick or something and i have this package that's about this big and it's wrapped up and i'm trying to deliver it to this guy who's supposed to be at this place and he's not there right now and there's two other people that are there. And at first it was two men. And then it seems like there was a woman that showed up and one of the men left. And the guy that I was trying to give this package to was supposed to be there. And uh, later on, so I was leaving it there for him. And I left and the people who were there turned over and someone else was there. And they were like, what is this package? It's suspicious. I don't know. And they kind of tossed it. So a friend of mine apparently saw it and said, oh, no, wait, this has to go here. And he put it there and he happened to be African-American. So, of course, they saw, thought something was wrong because a black guy is delivering a package that's unknown and, and, and putting it there. So now they're freaking out. Right. So so then they called the cops on him and he doesn't know about it right away. And he's coming to me and saying, hey, man, they took your thing and they threw it on the ground. But I, I put it back and now they seem all like they're tripping on it. So I'm like, what? Okay, so I go back and I find it again and they threw it down on the ground and I picked it up and said, look, this is for, and I don't remember the guy's name, some dude's name. I'm going to put it right here on this table and I want it to stay there. It's for him. And I left. Then some, a woman comes to me and says that my friend's in trouble because they called the police on him. And so I go find him and he's like, bro, I just put that package there that one time and now they're saying that I'm like a terrorist or something. So I went back and was like, wait a minute. First of all, okay, what is in there are dates, sweet dates, because I like dates, right? Fancy dates with no pits. I'll take them with the pits, don't care. I love dates. And I was giving as a gift to a friend of mine a bunch of dates because he liked dates as well. And so they're wrapped up. But I didn't tell anybody what was in the package, right? Because I'm thinking if I tell his friends, they're going to eat his dates, Right. And so I put it back there and I tell the police, look, this is just a sad state that we live in. This just shows the systemic racism that African-Americans or Africans worldwide say that they're dealing with. This is the perfect example. Black man shows up with a package and it's suspicious. White man with a beard shows up and it's Santa Claus or God. 
and, the, and there's the there's an issue and that harkened back when i woke up first thing i thought of was when i was working in in construction we were working we were building a i think it was a target walmart something like that i don't remember it was 25 years ago now and uh, but i do remember this incident we had a big tractor that we were using on the property and the boss was having us move everything off site back to the staging area of the job site because they were getting ready to open. So we were doing all the cleanup work and, and uh, getting ready to open the parking lot, which meant all of our equipment and containers and all the stuff that was left over from the build had to be shipped back down the street to the empty lot with a fence. So you have to, you can't just walk it all down there. You have to truck it down and, and stuff like that. So we were loading stuff up onto onto uh, trailers and then driving the trailers full of stuff with the crew on the tractor down through the streets. Cause you can do that. So I said to my buddy, Derek, I said, you want to drive the tractor? And he looked at me and he says, no. And I said, why not, bro? It's a tractor dude. And he goes, I'll drive it anywhere on property, but I'm not going out on the streets. I said, why? He said, I'm a black man driving down the street in a tractor. You don't think I'm going to get pulled over by the cops. He says, you drive it and have all of us black guys sitting on top of it. And you won't get pulled over. So I said, everybody rides. And so I cut the whole crew on there on the tractor and, and we're driving down the road and in uh, like four or five African-American guys that were working with us made sure to sit on the hood and on the top of the tractor. And so we're driving along and people are just waving. Hey, how you doing? Cop drove by at one point and gave us the wave, kept driving. And they said, see, one of us would have been driving. We'd got pulled over just now. And I was like, Wow you know, you guys might be right, <laughs> right? There maybe there is kind of something to this whole, you know, uh, thing about the, the systemic racism. I don't see that stuff because I don't think about that. I don't think that as soon as a cop looks at me, he's more suspicious than he would be anybody else until these things have kind of arrived in my life at different points in my life. So I saw that when I was younger, you know, the, the that stuff that was going on. And my father kind of tried to explain that because he was in a, he was a corporal, and he, of course, he was busted, so he was in trouble somehow in the in the military. They shipped him up to Alaska on the Aleutian chain, and he and he was up there on the islands, island hopping and fighting the Japanese. And it was only like five white guys, and the whole the whole rest of the unit were all black. So I knew that my father, he knew too, he had gotten himself into trouble, and they were going, "You gotta go play with the niggers, right?" So they sent him to Alaska, and he was a corporal there, and he got along fine, and he didn't have any issues. But he knew that that look, these guys were put up here because it's freaking cold and snow and and this is sort of like the, the the end of the earth so to speak our our american version of of the russians sending somebody to siberia which was only 50 miles across the bering straits there right so i think that's the bering straits up there anyway the the uh, pacific ocean between alaska and and uh, uh, russia so it's weird how I have a dream. This is my point. It's weird that I have a dream this morning. I don't know why. Maybe because we have these cases in court uh, right now that that are dealing with a possible racism. There's two pending cases, one the Rittenhouse case and the other one, I can't think of the guy's name. It's an Irish name, Mick something. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, whether or not they did something shady, one had something to do with African-American. That was the guy from the guy, I can't remember his nickname. Uh, he's got red hair and he ended up, killing this guy. Um, and, you know, I think it's I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in, involved with I, what I think. I, I think he's guilty. I think Rittenhouse was getting his butt kicked. We can see that in the videos. Uh, and there was, they were all white people that he ended up shooting. There was nobody that was black that actually attacked him. So that was not a racially motivated uh, uh, crime. It might've been a, a hate crime. It might've been, we don't know. We'll let the jury figure that out. But looking at all the videos, 
and I think that he's innocent. He was they were trying to beat him up, beat him to death. That were one guy even pointed a gun at him. Uh, but prior to do that, he had his hands up with a gun in his hand and he pointed the gun and then he stopped because he wasn't going to shoot it. But then the guy turns the gun on him and then he shoots the hand that he shoots the guy uh, as the defense says, blows his arm off, which, you know, is possible to hit the right bones. But I, I see maybe why that came up in a dream, because that's happening live on television. Right. But there's different there's different ways that dreams come through. Right. And I agree that, you know, the systemic racism, oof, right, that's a that's a really hard subject that I think we really as a society do need to delve into. We do need to have at that and see what's going on. Okay, so that didn't work. I'm going to try and change that to a, another plug here and see if that gives me Wi-Fi over here or not. We'll see if that happens. So I'm trying to hardwire into and I don't have an out port and I thought that wasn't out either and it's not so I may not be able to hardwire through that like I thought. So it does have to go through the router. I might be able to, I have another, whoops. Good thing I'm not using that camera back there. I just knocked it down. <laughs> it's the camera I normally use, uh, but it's all knocked down. So I do have an ether hub. I might try that and see if that can get me connected. Oh, cause no, no, I'm not gonna try that with this. That's too, that's more complicated than I thought. That'll take me a while. So I might just do the whole show on my phone. Who cares? Right? Scratching my head over here. Uh, but I don't have it plugged in. I'll have to go and get the cord and plug it in if it gets low. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. So, But I am on 5G. I think I'm going to change that to this network instead of 5G because I think it'll be cheaper for me if I do that. So hold on one, one tick here while I turn my Wi-Fi on. So I apologize to you guys while I'm doing this. I can't see anything. I can't see you. I'm sure you guys can see me. And so it's connecting. So it says I'm now connected to the regular Wi-Fi, which I can't get my the high speed. Okay. So yeah, now it says I'm on my high speed Wi-Fi, which I can't get my computer to hook up to. <laughs> Right? So whatever, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, right? So Tony said, hi, Leonard. That's so, so strange that you adjusted your network. Now I just swapped mine from 4G to Wi-Fi. See, so you were having problems too. So maybe it's not just my hard, my, my big base computer here. It has to be hardwired in. Uh, and it's it's not whoops now I'm knocking stuff off my desk and it's not hardwiring in very well and uh, I mean it's going in but it's going to the wrong network it's hooking into the slow uh, network that I would give like guests who come over so they can get on the internet but they can't really do a lot let me put this up a little higher here let me push it back I got stuff in the way here I'm trying to put it up against the no, that's going to make me crooked, huh? Well, I guess that's the best I'm going to be able to give you guys. I'll just have to lean in. Okay, so so now it's back on, but it's still you know, it's identifying the network. So maybe if maybe it'll come on. If it does, I'll reboot the computer and then hop in there and turn this off. But until then, okay. So we have different different ways that your brain, when dealing with um, dreams, right? So okay, Melissa had a dream. So the dream I had was me getting out of my that out of my bathroom is that bathrobe. Uh, then I saw myself in a mirror 
my hair was really long and and the same was my my footing what my footing in the air i'm not sure what that means my hair was really long and some was oh floating in the air my bad there's no l there so you're you're doing like i do and typing really fast and, and having misspelling and stuff right so some of your hair, hair was floating in the air and so i was nude right she says was nude my face uh seemed different so see now that could have been uh, a dream that you were having that may have been past life uh, in origin. We have that happen. That's some of the different dreams that we have. Some of the dreams that you have are esoteric. Some of them are prophetic. Some of them are um, are just what it looks like. What's this? Am I hooked up to the right network over here? All of a sudden, I am. So just now, so now I have to cycle through. So we will. I will be up on the base. Uh, shortly, once my my computer cycles through the logon, once it logs on, you know how it turns on a bunch of apps and everything, and then it and then it links up to the internet and all your all your messages come in. So okay, so some of your dreams, like I said, they're prophetic in nature and in their way that they come across to you. Eckhart Tolle did a really good couple videos where he talked about dreams, and so did Carl Jung. Um, the and in fact, Carl Jung was the one who uh, invented the shadow. Right. And all the shadow work that we do, he's the one that came up with that concept of shadow and the working within the shadow as I get chills saying it. So so when you talk about doing shadow work, that came from Carl Jung. That was his theory. And it's very widely used in the world. And I don't think that he invented that theory. I think he voiced it for the first time because he discovered it. And I think those were his words that used for the shadow. But if you look back in time, hundreds and thousands of years ago, there were people who talked about that. That's just like, like, um, you know, the way I call, I call the, the way the universe works in the way. And, um, and, and then I find, you know, the, this uh, Chinese writer wrote a book called the way 608 years or something like that before Jesus Christ was even born. Right. And so here, here, that is, you know, two more than 2000 years ago. And here I'm never read the book, never heard of it. And then I'm coming up and compiling the way, quote unquote, that the universe works. And in doing so, I end up with um, the idea and starting a book called the way. Uh, and guess what? Somebody else already talked about it. And, and it was the same concept. So the same thing goes with dreams. We, in this lifetime or in this, uh, um, you know, uh, this time, as it were, the modern era, as we call it, uh, is uh, rediscovering a lot of the knowledge that we lost, including the idea of dreams. And, and, I, and I say that because when I was younger, you know, I had nightmares and my brother used to have night terrors. And um, I mean, everybody has nightmares, but I used to have uh, really weird dreams that, as it turned out, I believe we were being abducted, right, um, either by aliens or, or the American government or both. And uh, and my brother was having what they called night terrorism because he was terrified because we were being uh, subjected to tests and, and shit, uh, uh, and, you know, um, in a spaceship setting. So my brother would then freak out and start screaming and he was so uncontrollable. They would have to return us because he would just start freaking out and screaming. I mean, just ah, ah, and all of a sudden he would be doing that. We slept in the same room. He and I were treated like twins. We were 20 months apart. So until we were like 18 years old, we literally shared a bedroom uh, and had bunk beds and then separated the room, you know, on a line down the center and the whole nine. So he would wake up screaming bloody murder and wake up the whole house and we'd have to calm him down. And, but yet we never talked about it to our parents. 
but he and I always knew when something was going to happen prior to, there was something that we felt a trigger in our brain. And he would say, it's going to happen tonight. Huh? And I would go, yeah. And then we would both lay down to go to sleep and just out like a light it would never normally you sit there for a while, you know, and you're talking and you're, you'd be scared and you're, but no, we would just turn off. And then all of a sudden there would be an incident. So because of, of trying to figure that out before I realized what was happening, that it was, you know, UFOs or whatever, um, I was looking into dreams and being brought up very druidish uh, in, a, in, a, in a European family. Even though I was here in America, we were also, you know, uh, on the other end, Christian at the same time as hiding the, the pagan druid um, from the world, because back then they would take your kids from you. Right. So then I started looking into Native American because I realized how similar the Native American uh, um, ideology and people and, and the religious aspect of spirituality was to the Druid spirituality. The people are almost interchangeable and they only show that in a few places in history, but I don't want to get into that because we're kind of focusing on the dream portion of what's going on and how dreams come to us. So, but by doing that, one of the things that the, the natives uh, de decided was that um, in the, what they called the dreamscape or the dream walking, um, they, they had decided that they could control the dream if, if you actually became aware that you were having a dream. So this practice of paying attention to your dream on some sort of uh, a, a conscious scale became very apparent to the, to the Native Americans in paying attention to your dream. First of all, as it happens, is it a dream? What's happening to me? And once you realize what's happening to you, um, that, you know, okay, I think this is a dream and you have to pay attention to certain things that happen uh, in that so that you say, okay, this is a dream because this is happening and it's not normal. Normalcy wouldn't have that. So you have that, uh, what's going on. I'm going to change over now because my computer is now up and I'm in this, almost in the studio. So I'm going to enter the studio. And as soon as I do that and everything is turned on here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off there uh, and then jump on my computer. And then if that doesn't work, I'll just jump back on here, okay? So give me a second while I put my name in. And make sure that my mic's working. It is, okay? Okay, so now... And now that microphone's off. So hold on. Okay, so now I, I uh, exited out of my phone so we don't have any reverb. Let me fix this uh, camera now over here so you can see me. Okay, so now I got the camera going. It's crooked. It's not working right, but it's on. We'll leave it that way for right now. Maybe I'll adjust it as we go. So now I can finally see you guys, right? And, and now I, I can actually see this and, and see the comments better. Before I was looking on my little screen, which is, whoops, which is like tripping over here. So I'm putting stuff on. I shouldn't be here. There we go. So my screen's only that big. <laughs> right? And I was looking at that little teeny screen to, uh, to do the show, but it was working. Okay, so, so the different ideas, 
right? Yeah, hello, dreamers, right? I, welcome to everybody I didn't say hi to that I didn't see before because the chat was tripping and I was not seeing it because it was tiny, right? Like the QI Zen is here, welcome. Marcus is here, welcome. Who else is here? Anybody else raise their hand? Una, hi. Everybody tell me hello. Okay, so dreams, again. The Native Americans said, pay attention. Uh, when, you, when you realize you're in a dream, look for something that's not normal, that doesn't happen normally in, in reality, or question the reality if you're not sure. Because sometimes dreams are so lucid, they seem real. They seem like they're you know, like happening for real, right? I've had that happen many times. Debbie, welcome. So I also had the office door open. My phone, my phone probably would have picked up a television more than this thing would have. I probably could have left it open. So they, their ideology was pay attention to the dream. And once you realize that, okay, this is a dream now, is then you, you have to decide what kind of dream is this? Is, this a, if, is, is it a nightmare of some sort? Is somebody chasing me? Do I feel like my life is in peril? Is it scary? Uh, and at that point, you can call in because you now know it's the same thing as the matrix and controlling the matrix. Okay, and this is how, when I was a kid, I learned this from shamans, Native American shamans and Druid shamans, uh, to control the mind uh, for different reasons to shush the mind. Some people have a hard time going to sleep and they can't, uh, the, you know, and the, the, the subconscious won't stop talking or the mind won't stop talking to them. All of this has to do with your dream state. Your mind has to do the subconscious, the superconscious, even the conscious mind has everything to do with your dream state, how you perceive things, and then how you interpret things yourself. How you experience and interpret things also changes your dreams and how they come through to you. Reese, welcome. Angela, welcome. Vicky, welcome. Right, I love you guys. Share this out, share this out. We're talking about dreams today and the different uh, way that dreams appear to us and what they mean. So, so starting with the native idea, the shamanistic idea, of, of dream walking and controlling your mind and your dreams to make sure that you don't have nightmares or that you can control the nightmare and uh, is good training in their mind for the bigger picture, which is the big matrix. And they know about this and have known about this. If you talk to natives, they know about this stuff from way back. They just don't tell white men about it because white men try to exploit everything and they're not, they're not controlling the matrix for good not just white people, but they don't trust primarily Europeans because of that, because that's what they do. I mean, look around the world. Who are the rich and the elite? Most of them are Europeans or people that are based from there, even if it goes all the way back to Carthage or, or uh, you know, or, or further back, right? They all ended up in Europe now and Italy and all that. Right. So in lots, see, there's your prophetic dreams. Reset a lot of your dreams come true in the future. There's there's your prophetic dream. So so you have different types of dreams. You have a prophetic dream like Reese is talking about where where you have. Right. See, I have very I, I very rarely have nightmares. That's good. And well, in fact, that you put your name, uh, you know, Zen in your name kind of tells me that you're a little more level minded. You're, you have probably studied or at least looked into Zen and Buddhism and and the like, which, again, the further east you go, the more like Native Americans, Native uh, 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 indigenous peoples to the Americas and to Australia and around the world, uh, or the, the, those, uh, um, those philosophical ideologies, I don't want to say religions, because, I mean, there is a religious part to it, just like Christianity, but there's more of a philosophical uh, um, uh, meaning behind the Eastern religions. That's why they call it Eastern philosophical thought, not Eastern religious thought. 
and Western philosophical thought, not Western religious thought, because even the academics see a difference between spirituality and religion. Religion in and of itself is a money-making corporation. So there, so with the Zen and all of that, you're again like the Japanese did with with the perfection and the calming of your mind and your mind and your body and your spirit are as one. Those people from the East who are practicing or were practicing that stuff for many generations, Hindus, Chinese, Japanese, the like, over in that part of the world, the um, have a way, way advantage, a heads up, years, hundreds, thousands of years advantage to the West because the West was pre- predominantly, you know, uh, uh, Hebrew, Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Muslim, and, and the like for the last three to 5,000 years. And that was a very aggressive, warlike, male-dominated uh, religion. So it was completely different. Spirituality wasn't personable uh, in, the, in the West. So the dreams of people in a society where they have completely no idea of, of of the dream state or in what to do with it would just have dreams and freak out or or not even talk about them right does anybody tony good question i'm going to put that up on the screen and read it for those people who are on the mp3 file they won't be able to, to see this but i'll read it to them does anybody know whether having terrible quality sleep i call it semi-insomnia for for most of my life 29 years old now uh could detach your uh partly could detach you Partly from your dream state. I do have dreams sometimes, and I have the had the odd sort of lucid dream, but I feel that I can't dream regularly to get a lucid dream practice going. That's a very good question for this topic that we're talking about here. Uh, and absolutely, yes. And that's a, what happens is you you become sleep deprived. Even if you're people who have insomnia, you become uh, sleep def, def, deprived. You're 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 not getting your right rest. And we know that if you don't get your right rest, you don't you don't enter what we call a REM state, REM, which is rapid eye movement state. And that is is the state when you are actually dreaming, and your eyes are moving. They call it rapid eye movement because your eyes are moving. Your dream is happening like in a millisecond. Right. Space and time changes in the subconscious or superconscious so that everything happens now. So your dream could in your dream when you're paying attention to it seem like a day, two days, a a month. And in reality, it could be two seconds. So your eyes move in rapid succession for everything that you're looking at and seeing in your dream. Your eyes actually move to all of those directions, whatever you're looking at in your dream. But because you're looking at it in your dream and it's happening like in a half of a fraction of a second, your eyes are moving like my fingers are right now. For those of you who are on the MP3 broadcast, you can't see that, but I have my two fingers up like they're my eyeballs and I'm moving them really fastly, rapidly in all directions. But in your mind, it's just like I'm just doing now where I'm looking at the camera, then I'm looking at the chat, then I'm looking at the monitor, then I'm looking back at the chat, I'm looking back at the camera. And But for a rapid eye movement, that would all happen in succession or in succession in a very quick nanosecond. And so all you would see is my eyes closed and then my eyes going moving around really quickly inside the, the eyeball. So what happens when you don't get enough sleep or you don't reach that deep REM state is that your dreams are not very lucid and, you don't, and you're kind of deprived of sleep. So you're not dreaming as well as you would. But that doesn't mean that you're not getting the proper rest because the body has a way of fixing those kind of problems to where you will have, you know, like people who um, have, I, don't, I forgot what it's called, but uh, where uh, they can't sleep at all. And then all of a sudden they just crash and fall asleep. 
right? I mean, literally, you could be in the middle of a conversation and they just go just to sleep. But then in the other time, when they're trying to go to sleep, they can't go to sleep. So they're up 24 hours a day and they only sleep when the body crashes. The same things happen with insomnia. Your body will crash eventually because it needs sleep. You may not enter into a deep REM sleep, but it'll give you as much as it can take right then. Narcolepsy. Thank you, Tony. Narcolepsy. So when people have nar narcolepsy, it's the same thing. They're walking around sleep deprived all the time. And that changes your perception of reality when you're really tired. And I've been that way to where I've been like, I used to be a retail manager and we used to work from September to January, no days off, right? No days off, depending on where I was and what a part of retail that I was in. When I was in the craft industry, craft industry for December starts in September because all the people who make the stuff to sell the stuff to people during Christmas start buying it in September. And then they go, you know, uh, they, they do the Halloween thing and then they do Thanksgiving and then they do Christmas and then they do New Year's. And then everybody's, you know, off for a while until we have another holiday for people to build crafts about. So that changes your perception of reality when you don't get enough sleep. And it also changes the way your dreams come to you because now your dreams have to come to you in a way that is short and choppy, but to the point. So now you have a completely different dream set that comes to you because whatever it is that you're working on in your daily life that might be affected by a dream or whatever is, is happening that you need that dream for is now going to be more intense, but less intense. If you, if, in, a, in a sense that like you were saying that you don't, you don't have really super lucid dreams, but every now and then you do. And that's the one where you, the, your mind and your soul and your spirit is saying, you need to know this. This is what you're working on. And that could be something obscure that is now all, all metaphoric, which is another way that we see dreams. And we have to decide while we're dreaming or shortly after we wake up, what kind of dream just took place? Was it a prophetic dream of something that's going to happen in the future? Was it a dream warning me about something? Was it something I was working on and I'm paranoid and I think, you know, maybe I'm thinking that um, somebody is trying to mess up my life and I'm getting this, this instinct in my, my mind, my body is saying somebody's peeing on your grave as it were, right? And when you ever heard that, right? So somebody is walking on my grave. Somebody is trying to do damage to me in some way and your brain has picked up on it, your subconscious has picked up on it more than your conscious. So your subconscious is now trying to feed that to you. But that comes through sometimes in metaphors and not, you know, there's a representation. You get a wolf or a snake or something that you deem as a predator coming after you. And that could actually represent some of that you work with. Do you understand? So, so the, the, you have to learn to, first of all, realize I'm having a dream while you're having it. And then you have to try and remember, welcome, Wayne. You have to try and remember more than you normally would. I'm not even reading your guys' comments. I should look at your guys' comments here, right? Because you guys are saying a lot. So Una says, my sleep pattern isn't great at the moment, right? So um, I find it hard to detach from what's happening in the world and relax and sleep. Okay, so now that's one of those things where you that's something that's in your in your mind, Right. Because you're concerned with the world. So you're afraid that if you go to sleep, that something's going to happen and you're not going to know about it. The world might come to an end or whatever. And so you're worried about all this stuff. Right. That's going on, whatever it is, even if it's not just stuff that's on television, but it's your life. And oh, no, my job and I have to pay the bills. And what's going on? And I'm scared. Am I going to get this new job? I'm going to get fired because I did that stupid thing, made that comment, whatever. Right. 
you have to learn. That's part of that Native American um, teaching of learning to control your mind. You have to realize, and this is why I teach people in meditation and just in general, is that like your body, your, your body, the pain body is a recording device. Your mind is also a recording device. Those are not you. You have to realize that what's thinking in your head is not your consciousness. It's your brain. Okay. If you pay attention, this is a hard thing to do, but if you get, if you, if you do this, you can actually, if you pay attention to it, you can see it and, and feel it happening and recognize it happening. Right. And that's why I give you guys that 30 second drill of close your eyes and just breathe and concentrate on your breath and, and feel your breath and your body and, and doing that with everything turned off with no sound, no television, no phone, no nothing. And when you do that after 30 seconds, then I say, what were you thinking about? And you say nothing if you did it right. And you're not thinking about anything because you were thinking about paying attention to your breath only. In that moment, your brain is no longer functioning. And when it does, you, you have to tell yourself, no, I'm supposed to be focused on my breath, on my breath, on my breath. And when you do that, you're now taking control of your brain. So that's one small exercise, the show where people are, are doing that. And I would suggest to those of you who can't turn your brain off to do that and breathe more and pay attention to your breathing and calm your brain. And once you do that, you start to gain control of that. And then over time, you can remind yourself if your brain starts talking, no, stop that. I'm in charge. You're not. OK, so here's what I was talking about before to, to, so that you would know if when you think of something to say or right. If you pay a, a really, really, really deep attention to pass the thoughts that come through, you will hear one, one entire thought that is the entire concept of what you want to say. Then your brain repeats it to you. And then you say it out loud. So what's happening is you're thinking and your thinking is an entire bubble. It's an entire concept of everything that you want to put forth. And it goes into the brain. And then the brain goes e equals MC squared times 17 to the 32nd power. And then you say that out loud. I just made that up. E equals MC squared and everything after that I just made up. Just to have numbers there. It's not an actual equation. Or it could be. I don't know. It just came to the top of my head. So if anybody figures out what I just said and turns that into an actual equation that means something, let me know. Because that just came to me and I just said it. So. I mean, other than the e equals MC squared, obviously, right? So that's part of, of what, what you need on the forefront to be able to relax enough and control your mind. Your mind is just there to tell you what it sees like a recording device or what it hears. So everything you think of comes from your higher self, goes to the brain. The brain repeats it and formulates the words that your mouth is going to say or that you're going to type. And then you repeat it in typing or in word. It's the same thing when you're dreaming. So when you have something happen to you and it's a trauma and you don't want to deal with it, we push things down, right? We, we push it down to the pain body and we push it down in the mind. And eventually those two are, their job is to tell you that. And that's part of when you, when you're healing, you have to go through that because they tell you it as if it's happening now. So you relive things. Do you understand? So what's happening in your dreams is that the same thing happens in your dreams. You just don't get the actual images that you would get when you're conscious of the memory. The brain then tries to figure out a way to explain to you what is happening, and it tries to give you the concept instead of the words. Because it doesn't understand now because that part of the brain has been turned off. You've gone into, from the conscious mind, you've gone to the subconscious 
So the subconscious doesn't work with the words in translating it to the words for your mind to think. So now your subconscious and your superconscious are communicating with each other and you're seeing images in your head. And now you have to decipher what's happening because it's coming from you, but your consciousness in this avatar has retreated to the subconscious. Do you understand? So while you're in that state, you yourself don't have the ability to not think in concept because that's how we think. We think in concept because that's our higher self. We don't think in words. Words are a communicable uh, notion that we have, that we learn, right? And we know that that's subjective to where it is that you were born on what language that you speak. So those, that's a motor skill for the body and, so, and for the mind to communicate on a level like I'm communicating with you, but not to myself. We forget that we think of metaphors. So when the metaphor hits us consciously in our subconscious, we dream, we have that dream state. We're now thinking our brain starts trying to decipher what is happening instead of being in the conscious mind and having the ability to say the words and understand the concept. Now it's just giving you the concept as I hit my microphone. Sorry. Now it's just giving you the concept. So whether it's a futuristic concept and it becomes prophetic, whether it's a past, uh, a, a, you know, concept, then it becomes completely different. And it's a message then when it's uh, you know, or a memory and then, and then when it's something that you're working on and, and it, and it's something that's important to you that comes through and completely, random ways because the concept is there and you might see a wolf as a predator or a snake or even a bird that's dive bombing your head and you're not equating that bird with that guy in your office who's trying to take your job from you or or, or whatever right or that guy that's bad mouthing you who's a friend of yours but you won't see it that way on the on the beginning of the dream or even at the end of it when you wake up and go what was that right and so it's only when we write that down immediately that we can then go back and let that stew because your brain is now has that in there still, right? It's still, that concept is still in there and what it was trying to tell you is still in there. So it becomes very important to wake up when you have the dream to immediately write it down as much as information as you can remember so that you can go back later because a lot of times the prophetic ones disappear. So you have the dream and if you don't write it down, you don't remember it. And then when it does come true, you go, wait a minute, I saw this in a dream, right? So there's completely, so you have to, to, to learn to quiet your mind before you go to sleep, to tell your mind what you're, what you're planning to do, <clears throat> put yourself in that place so that I am now going to go to sleep and I am calm and I am not thinking and I'm, you know, turning everything off. And if anything starts, you have to take control because your brain is just activated by stimulus. And if you have all of this worry about your life in the back of your mind, your brain is going to continue to be active. So you have to say to your brain, no, don't do this. No, don't do this. No, don't do this. Right. And so you have to tell yourself that over and over. It's not an easy task. It takes a long time. But if you don't start or you don't become aware of it, because the first step in avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. Right. So once you once you uh, are aware of it, you, things get better and you and you you be able to change things. And then you start changing your dreams. If you have a bad dream, you can recognize this is a bad dream, but I'm in charge. It's just a dream. I'm going to that bad guy can't get me. Right. That wolf can't eat me because I have a you know, flamethrower. I have a, you can do that and take control of the dream takes practice. Sometimes you go, oh, no, now that I took control, he changed. And he, that's your subconscious 
again, changing the dream because you are now changing it and your and your subconscious is saying, I'm not in control. And every time I change it, the bad guy's just going to know it and change. That's you doing that to yourself with your own paranoia. So you have to realize all of that. You're in charge. And that's the way it is with the actual matrix around us. And that's why I try to tell people that people who meditate are trying to find that place where they quiet the mind. And you, your dreams are also that place where you can quiet the mind and take control. You can take control of the reality of your world. All you have to do is decide, I don't like the way things are, and you can change it. You can also do that in your mind while you're dreaming. Sometimes when you go, oh, this is a dream, you'll wake up. Because you're, you've now become conscious in your subconscious that this is a dream. And you can't be conscious in your subconscious for any length of time because you're now conscious. So as soon as that happens, you poop, you open up your eyes. And now I'm awake, but I still have the memory. So quickly write it down because it's still there trying to tell me something. So quickly write it down. You need to do that. Uh, for years, I slept with a, a pen and paper or a pencil and paper next to my bed on the, on the nightstand just for that purpose to make sure that I wrote these things down, right? <clears throat> Julie says, I've slept well for, I'm going, I'm trying to go back and, and read all your guys' stuff. So if you guys are up there, there's new comments I haven't gotten there. Just bear with me, I'll get there. So Julie says, I haven't slept well for the majority of 25 years. Once I moved to my own room, things changed dramatically. Alas, I'm back to, to sharing a bed with an extremely uh, active and noisy sleeper. So, so sleep is hard and fragmented dreams, mainly when I get the, the rare opportunity to nap. Okay. See, so, uh, so now you have somebody like me who snores and moves around a lot while sleeping. I do that. I'm on one side, then I'm on the other, then I'm back over here. I'm a Virgo. So we don't stay put for very long and I snore. Right. So that'll drive you nuts and, and you know, maybe get earplugs and put them in. Uh, try that. Uh, when I was with my roommate, when we went to Disneyland, he would put in earphones and turn on uh, turn on either the television or a radio so he couldn't hear me snore when we were sharing a room. <laughs> and then Tony says, oh, I definitely dream in color, maybe not vivid uh, as as uh, as day, but sure, but surely color. See, a lot of people don't always dream in color. Some people do always dream in color. I don't always dream in color, but I always know to pay attention because the ones that are in color for a person who doesn't always dream in color, uh, we know that that's something to pay attention to for us because it's very vivid. There's been many dreams that I've had where I've had past life regression happen to me in the dream. And so I wasn't sure while I was dreaming because I knew that it was real. And Melissa, when you were seeing yourself in the mirror, someone different, that's why I said that could be a past life memory that's coming forward in your dream for some reason. Some part of your psyche uh, knows that something that happened to you in a different lifetime can apply to you in this lifetime. And so your subconscious or your superconscious is now taking that memory and plugging it in. You're trying to communicate across lifetimes to yourself. Do you understand? So there's something about the that dream that would pertains in some way to now, uh, even if it's just get you know getting to know that you have other selves that you're still attached to, because we don't just exist in this reality. There's other realities that we exist in, and some say that we exist in in some form in all realities, including somewhere in your mind is a little piece of me that's in there at somewhere. And then my mind, there's a little teeny piece of you and everybody. And we all share a little teeny piece of each other somewhere in some way because we're all part of the same uh, one. 
So therefore, all everything that happens to us on a conscious or subconscious level, this is why we say it's a reflection of each other, because in some way I am you and in some way you are me. So a lot of that comes through in dreams as well. And so those again are things that you have to pay attention to. Right. And so Denise said, I usually have nightmares about my past constantly. Now, is that past in this lifetime or past in another lifetime uh, or both? Right. And most of the time we do, if we have regrets about something or we're still worried about some stalker that was stalking us or something or other, we're going to still have those until we put that to rest. Not knowing creates anxiety. So we have nightmares about that kind of stuff. So that's like a, that's something that is, uh, you know, common. Uh, because we, we have a lot of anxiety in the world because they are trying to keep us in this state of uh, perpetual anxiety. Television, programming, news programming, movies, everything is trying to keep us in this fearful state because people are easier to control when they're, when they're afraid. Another reason why you would want to gain control of your psyche, your subconscious, your conscious mind, uh, your mind in the thinking part and your, in your pain body, that's part of tuning your whole mind body complex, right? Your spirit or your soul, your mind, your body, and every part of you with all your chakras, uh, the, what you eat, everything. If you tune all of that up to a, to the rightful place, then you're going to find that you're going to get better rest. You're going to, you're going to sleep better, but it, you have to also have good practices and good habits. It takes a while to work into that. I'm still working onto it and I'm 54. I'm going to be 55 next year in September. I just turned 54. I'm still a work in progress. So we all are. No one's perfect. It's those people who start early in life and stay the course. Those are the ones who are by, by my age end up Sufis, you know, because they've been doing it since they were 10. And they've, and they've made themselves stay away from the rat race on purpose to give themselves that space. And then when you do that, you can do nothing but work on yourself. That's why a lot of people did that during COVID, because what happened? You had no uh, nothing else to do. You, you couldn't go anywhere, right? And then Tony says, I've known for a really long time I ought to make my uh, sleep routine work because I'm probably missing out on part of my mind's experience and not sleeping properly. That's very possible. Uh, and I agree with that. So I would say, Tony, definitely. Uh, oh, hello, Wayne. And thank you, Tony, for saying hello, Wayne, to draw my attention. So I see Wayne's there. Uh, so I would work on that. Try to quiet your mind. Try to give yourself more uh, sleep and try to try to eat foods that are proper that won't, you know, cut back the caffeine, cut back the energy drinks, whatever it is that's going to keep you awake at night. Get off that stuff. Get on more healthy uh, foods. If you're eating healthy and we're still having that issue, then that's a mind problem. That's that's your mind is racing. And at some point you've associated your your personality thinking your soul is your mind thinking. I'm, I'm working on my sister right now and a few other people that uh, do the same thing and their mind just keeps going all the time and they have a hard time turning it off, which means they don't sleep well and they don't have good dreams. And I told her, I should have told you this earlier because I've been doing this since I was a teenager when I learned uh, shamanism. I started learning the pagan shamanism and then the Native American discovering that I was part Native American, not as much as, as many people that I know and I wish, but I'm not just, you know, 5%. So, Looking at that, though, I still was was understanding uh, uh, that I needed that mind control to be at peace, to be able to turn off. And by doing that, you also reach a different state of awareness where you can control your blood pressure. You can control many other things uh, with meditation on a very, very quick level than you could if you didn't learn that stuff prior. 
being in control of your mind and your dreams gives you the ability to be in control of the matrix because you're used to doing it on a, on a level that's subconscious. Once that's where everything is muscle memory, everything is repetitive. When you get it into your subconscious and ends up in your superconscious, your body does everything by muscle memory. You don't have to think all the time. Like with my hand going, I don't have to go wave my left hand, wave my left hand, wave my left hand while I'm talking to accentuate my point, wave my left hand. It becomes a natural thing that when you're younger, you're like, wave my hand now because you're giving the point of what you're wanting to people to, to understand. So you that becomes a natural thing and you start doing it, right? And then Italian people do it all the time. They talk with their hands and people go, oh my God, look at that guy. He's Italian. I'm not, but I'm just saying. So we, it starts with the waking mind. And you gaining control of it and realizing that the mind as it's thinking is not you. It's not your personality. It's part of this avatar that is here to serve you. It has a function. Okay. Its function is to repeat everything that you say to control this body. So when you get the concept of, I want to say blue, your brain says, your consciousness says to the brain, the concept of word blue. Then your mind says word blue. And then that goes to your mouth and your mouth says blue. Do you understand? So there's this process that happens. The mind tells the body what to do. The body does what it's told to do. The mind does what it's told to do. The hardest thing for us to, to do is then the first step of, of avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. Your mind is a trap if you allow it, just like the ego. The ego wants you to associate with the ego. What does all this have to do with dreams? 100% of everything. Because you might be having an egoic dream where your ego is trying to slip in control over you by, by petting its own ego, stroking its own ego in your dream. And if your mind is associated or you're associated with the mind, the ego will take control of the mind and you will get a big head and become very egoic. Your dreams will reflect that as well. Now you're not in control of anything. Your ego's in control. It understands that the mind does what it's told, and it's now taking control of the mind. You're allowing that to happen because you are the ego. It's part of you. You're not, you're not the ego, but it's part of you, and it has a job to do as well, a function. Its function is to create doubt within your psyche so that you don't ascend, so that you get astray from the spiritual oneness of yourself. That's the job of the ego. It's there to force you to actually have to do some work. Otherwise, it just occupies your mind and your mind occupies you and that occupies your body and you never do anything personable to get to know who you are spiritually separate from this body. And that takes place in dreams as well as thoughts in your head while you're in your conscious mind. And they're more powerful because they're concepts in your subconscious mind. That's why people want to get things into your mind through osmosis subconsciously, because what's in the subconscious speaks to the superconscious faster. When you're conscious, you have to go through the firewalls of what's this guy up to? The paranoia of the firewalls that says, I think this guy's trying to screw me over. He's got an angle or something. That doesn't happen as well in the subconscious because your subconscious mind isn't designed for critical thinking. It's designed for conceptual thinking because that's where you come into play with the concept. So it hasn't handed it down to be interpreted yet. So then it's trying to give it to you and you're seeing it in a subconscious level and you're just barely slipping to the conscious. That's how you remember the dream. But it doesn't make any sense to you because it's all jumbled up and metaphoric in some way. 
Okay, so I don't know if that's helping anybody at all. Getting to, talking about that. Let's see what else we have here. I've had two incredible vivid dreams. This is Julie speaking. That I have stayed have stayed with me for years. Very emotional. A third one that was was uh, uh, what is that? What's that word? Apocalyptic. Wow. Okay. So I've had I've had some of those too. And you don't really normally tell people about the apocalyptic ones because they think that you're either crazy or that you had something to do with it when it comes <laughs> something happens, right? I work nights. Wayne says I work nights hard to get into a routine with sleep. Yeah, that's because the body doesn't know. That's not normal for the body. So you have to cheat the body into the day night and your body naturally when it's daytime uh, wants to be awake, even if you're tired, because it's it, it thinks that it's supposed to because that's where normally where the day where it works. So what you have to do is make sure that you that you, um, you know, have blinds or something on your windows that you can close so that it stays dark in your room so that your mind will relax and go, it's nighttime now. Uh, even though your brain says, I know it's daytime outside, you can trick your body into reversing its sleep pattern and process uh, over time. Uh, it'll always try to fight back and reset because it's that's the way it's designed uh, somewhere in our psyche because of daytime and us being afraid at night, not being able to see as far. Predators would uh, take advantage of us um, not having good night vision uh, and they would come after us at night. So that got into our heads and we got scared and we always hunkered down and hid at night. So we've done that for thousands and thousands, even millions of years. So it's part of our DNA. Uh, so it's hard to get, keep the body in that uh, set of, of reversed day tonight but you can do it it just takes a lot of work sorry my foot was stuck on the on the desk leg and i was trying to move it <laughs> stuck there so yeah so it's hard uh that's a hard, lot harder work wayne but you can you can do that and get it uh get it working that way for you but it, uh, i would say if, if you're not a night person uh get another job <laughs> if you're not if you don't like working nights you don't like being up at night and not seeing the daylight figure out a way of transferring or getting another job, right? I've worked nights for 35 years has become part of my DNA. Uh, if the job, if your job, uh, uh, son's going for, uh, in, what is this now? Hold on. I got the wrong glasses on here. I got to cock my head way up for my bifocals. <laughs> uh, let's see if the 35 years, part of uh, your DNA, if the job, your son's going for interests him great, but not if it's not mundane job. Right. So yeah. Okay. So if you're, if, yeah, if it's for you and you've been doing it and you're used to it, then it's okay. But yeah, if it's not for somebody and, and it's not already in their DNA, then I would advise you guys to, you could try it. But if you're not already a night person, don't get a night job, man. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, Okay, so, so Zen says, my mom's husband says he never remembers his dreams. Why is that? Some people uh, just don't dream. They don't remember their dreams at all because they're not connected to themselves on a spiritual level. I'll bet he's not very spiritual. Or the opposite, he's very spiritual, and he doesn't remember his dreams because his dreams play out already in his spiritual life as a as awakening soul so that he doesn't have the issues of, of dealing with stuff on, on a subconscious level like other people do. So it's one or the other. He's either really, really stable uh, uh, spiritually, or I would suggest he's not at all. And because of that, you, you try to say, well, there's nothing. Uh, you know, there's no even atheists. There's no God. So dreaming is just nothing because there would be no reason for it because there's nothing there. 
So they would tend to play that stuff out in another way. It comes up subconscious uh, in their waking moments and not through dreams where other people, because we believe in the dream state. So if you don't believe in the dream state, you don't believe in a, a God, you don't believe in spirituality, you have no purpose for it. There's no reason for it. Therefore, you're not going to remember your dreams because they don't mean anything to you. No matter what happens, you're like, Psh, this is one of those fake things that happens that doesn't mean anything. And eventually your mind stops paying attention to it. So it changes the dynamic of your brain and how those things play out to you. And, and then so it comes to more of a conscious thought for that person. So they have daydreams that they're not talking about, but they think it's just them thinking at the time, but they're actually having a daydream uh, and, and the same thing that's coming through, but it comes through differently because now you're uh, awake, you're in the conscious mind. So your brain then interprets it to you. And so it ends up being more of a thought process than an actual dream where the rest of us would have. Let's see what else you guys got going on here. Let's see. Tony says, yeah, decoding my dreams have been rather tough. Our brain can can be so kind of cryptic. Yeah, and, and that, or, or coded. Absolutely. That's part of the way the dreams come through. And there is some truth to if you eat spicy foods and, or if you have undigested food uh, in your stomach and you're having indigestion, you could have dreams, nightmares from that. And so there is something to that. So you have to look at your food that you're eating. Do I, is it, I always have dreams after I eat nightshade, like a spaghetti, something with, with tomato in it. Uh, the nightshade sometimes gives people that MS, uh, MSN or what is it? MS, MSG, monosaccharide. Sodium glutamate also does that, gives people migraines, but it can also give you uh, weird dreams. So you have to find out if you have an allergy and it's causing your dreams and you don't know about it. So there's a process that you that you need to go through to what was my diet when I was dreaming? Was it because I, I was having a problem with this or was it not? So there's a process that you need to go through to eliminate different things in your in your life. What well, did I have too much caffeine? Did I have too much soda? Was I drinking alcohol? Was I doing drugs? Did I have all this? Did I eat pizza? Did I have so once you start weeding those away, then you, you start to realize that some of your dreams might have been, dude, don't eat that stuff anymore. Don't eat that that late at night. And you're so you're, you're having a dream and you're uncomfortable and discomfort and there's something chasing you and it comes time to find out it was the, the pepperoni on your pizza. So those things you have to look into as a factor as well. There's a lot of stuff that factor into dreams, unfortunately, because we don't understand so much about the mind, the psyche and our soul and how it works that the only real way that we figure this stuff out is that we have to take that, we have to do that shadow work. We have to take that dive into ourselves. And, and once you do that, you start clearing out the things and admit to yourself your real problems and look at yourself and say, I am not perfect and I have issues. I don't care if your ego says you are perfect, you're not. You're not perfect until you do this. So I don't care if I don't have any problems whatsoever. You're lying to yourself. If you're saying that you're lying to yourself because everyone has issues we, because stuff happens to us in our lives. I don't care what kind of life you had. Even if you were the perfect child in the perfect family and you always had money, you got issues. There's something in there that you have problem with that has to do with you had too much money. So you didn't have the strife that other people did. Why me? There's stuff in there. Or you feel superior to other people. That's an issue. So, you, so there's a lot about our psyche that also plays into our dreams. And once we start looking into that, and again, that's why I was saying that if he's very spiritual, then he wouldn't have any dreams or as many because then you really only start to have prophetic dreams or dreams that have to do with the food you ate, <laughs> right? Because you work through all those other things because you're honest with yourself. 
So once you start doing the shadow work, it changes your dreamscape completely. Right. And sometimes dreams are just that. Sometimes the, the, every dream you have is going to be prophetic. And if you reach a state that the only time you dream is when it's prophetic, you're doing really well because because inside your psyche is at peace. Do you understand? And now you're just looking into the future. Yeah. See, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, preparing to sleep and setting intentions. I guess that I, I don't do that. And that, that could help. It would trust me. It would, if you're setting the intention of, first of all, I'm, uh, I'm in charge. So my brain needs to quiet down. My body needs to relax because it's just doing what the brain is telling it. And I'm telling the brain what to do because I'm in charge. That's avoiding the trap to start with. And then you can say, I want to have a dream about this or that, that I'm working on. And think about that as you fall asleep. You will then have a dream on that. If you say, I don't want to dream about this, you're going to dream about that. Because now you're feeding into your own fear and saying, I don't want to have this dream. I fear it for some reason. And now you're going to have that as a nightmare. You're going to put that on yourself. So you have to be very aware of your own intention and what you uh, have. And once you set your inten intention, stick to it. And if you start having a dream, then pay attention and go, okay, first of all, is this a dream? Is this a bad dream? What's happening here? What is the storyline that's happening to me and why? Most of the time, once you start doing that, you're moving into the conscious level and your brain will wake you up, right? And then you'll go, oh, okay, that was just stupid or better write that down. Then you go back to sleep. And then if you have more dreams, it's because there's still stuff that is working in your mind that, it, that you might not have worked with on your psyche, uh, on your psyche, your own self, spiritually, uh, mentally, as, a, as a, a, when you're awake and conscious, or it's something completely that has nothing to do with you uh, and problems that you're working on. And that may have something to do with uh, past lives or prophetic or future uh, events. Right. So I don't, hopefully that's helping. So let's see if there, did I miss anybody here? Melissa, dark chocolate. Tap no. So Melissa says, so, uh, Melissa said it happened to me with, uh, with chocolate, right? Dark chocolate. So sometimes you could have, it depends on what you eat, right? Isn't that weird? Gratefully surprised, Tony, I'm gratefully surprised how few nightmares I have. But part of my fear is that because I'm subconsciously uh, buried the the scary, difficult stuff so deep down that it doesn't bubble up yet. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's possible too. Either you've already dealt with it or you know that it's there, right? And and so you so you have this fear of there's probably shit that happened to me in my life that's so far down that I haven't dealt with yet. That'll come up when you're when you're ready, your body will start pushing it out. Your brain will start pushing it out and and you'll be once you start looking at that, it'll come out and you have to allow yourself uh, to be emotional when that happens because what's going to happen is you have to understand that your your pain body is a recording device and when you shove things down into that shadow area of your body so you can't see it right and you can't experience it it doesn't mean it's gone and when your body gives it to the brain it's going to give it just the way it saw it so it's going to be now all the emotion is going to be now and your brain's going to interpret that as happening right now because that's what your brain is told to do so it does that. So it's going to give you that whole memory that you had as if it happened now. The difference is it's still going to be overwhelming, the, uh, as overwhelming as it was when it first happened to you. But you're in a different place now. So you are consciously more of an adult than you were when it happened to you. So you're consciously aware and can be that this is not happening now. This is something that already happened that I have survived. And you have to tell yourself that. 
once you do that, that's the first step in avoiding that trap is knowing of its existence. So when you do the shadow work, whether it is in a dream or it comes up uh, on your waking moments, you have to realize the event is going to be just as emotional uh, in whatever emotional way that it was, happy, sad, horrifying, scary, laughter, whatever it was, is going to play exactly the way it did the first time. You, you had it happened then from, but the, it's going to be different now because now you're not little, right? Even if it was yesterday, you're, you're a day older and you've survived that event already happened and you're still alive. So that's the first step in avoiding those traps. So don't be afraid of those. Um, just decide when you think I'm strong enough and I can start handling that stuff and then do the work. The more you do your due diligence and do that work, uh, the, the, the more you will be able to deal with your dreams. And, and, and thank you, uh, Kui said, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate you guys for, for being here and listening. Right. And yeah, Cheryl says, yeah, I've, yeah. So I've made progress. So that's good. Uh, it just takes time, right? I mean, we all we all have to spend the time uh, to do that stuff, the, that kind of work, uh, the shadow work. That's why they call it that, um, right? So, oh, I didn't see you there, Miguel. Welcome. I was up reading the chat and catching up, so I just now saw the Miguel three minutes ago said, shout out, Leo. What's up? What's up? Miguel Pena. What's up, my brother? Right? So I'm going to have to start getting you on here. We'll have to start talking about getting you on here on the Wednesdays to, to talk. I'm putting together some stuff, uh, so I need to talk to you, Miguel, uh, about uh, the webinar, trying to put that together, and I'm bringing in some new people. P Peter's been working on getting some new people. The Peter from Ireland is now ready, so we're, go we're getting the pieces back together, bro, to get a webinar going, and Peter... Uh, just he and I started talking about that. He's got some ideas. So I want to get a round table with the two Peters, you and I and Jake, uh, and um, start um, talking about guests and people to come on and speak and get some of these things rescheduled like we had done before. Right. Maybe we can get one uh, webinar this month. Probably not because I'm doing the one that's coming up on, on, on the, a week from this weekend on Saturday. So I think I'm going to be promoting that this coming week and next week and then doing that. So it'll probably be December. Um, I have a lady lined up to go live on Wednesday, December 1st to do uh, card reads. So maybe you might want to come on uh, next Wednesday or the Wednesday after. Wednesday after next was, is the 1st of December. Definitely come on so we can do that with her and let her go live. And you and I can like read questions or or read people if they have questions or whatever and assist her in, the, in that and talk about that whole, the whole genre. Um, I know I'm doing that right now live on air, but I'll talk to you after off air, okay? <laughs> so we got to get with Peter, Peter, you and me and Jake, the five of us, and and uh, start uh, talking about that and getting that hammered out, okay? So um, so De uh, Denise said, since my dad passed, he comes to me in my dreams with messages. That's You know what? My grandfather and my father are the only two who come through that way. Oh, my uncle, too. One of my uncles. Um, but when they, when that's happening, pay attention to that because uh, that's rare uh, that you are connected that way and that they're they're now guiding you. So my family does that as well. Um, I wasn't aware of that until a psychic said that most of my family are my guides. Uh, they're they're you know the uh, especially the ones that have passed on both sides. The uncles and the grandparents and the great grandparents are are doing. They're like around me, guarding me and guiding me all the time. So when they come through in dreams or in any way, pay attention to that because there's messages there that that can help. Right. So let's see what else here. Tony says I'm glad. I'm glad that you said, uh, what is that? I'm glad you said, or I have already dealt with some of it because, because yeah, in my, 
in my working life, I have tried to face a lot of the difficulty in the process. Yeah. So yeah, just, you just got to continue. You're doing, I think you know what you're doing and I think you're doing it. I think you just needed somebody like me to say, Hey, you're, you're actually making a difference for yourself and, and you're on the right track. So I think you are, uh, and you're aware of it, which is, uh, like I said, the first step. Right. <laughs> so eight hours after my son passed, I heard him, this Cheryl said this, I heard him yelling at me. Uh, and that was him trying to get your attention. Right. He was yelling at you to try and get your attention. I had my, my stepfather when he had uh, multiple hernias and uh, he wouldn't go to have their surgery done because they gave him like a 50, 50 shot at living, which I would love to have that. When I went for my surgery on my hernia, it was less than 50 cent for percent. And when I went for, I had a, a two cysts in my armpit that blew up the size of a football. I had a 5% chance, 2% chance of making it to the operating table and a 5% chance of surviving the operation. And then a 3% chance of surviving afterwards and healing. Okay. And I made it <laughs> right. And I didn't care about the odds. I was going to do a uh, surgery on myself if they didn't do something about it. Right. And uh, not knowing how dangerous things were for me. So, uh, so know that he wasn't angry uh, in that he was trying to get your attention. I had my stepfather who died when he passed. He came to me the, the next night after not the first night, but the second night that he was gone, he came to me in his dream and showed me that his stomach uh, and that everything was healed and that he didn't have any more problems. And he was really happy. Look, no more pain and everything's okay. And I'm okay. And I'm going to a different place now. And he was moving on to uh, start whatever, you know, with the healing process or reevaluation of his life and figure out if he's coming back or not in this lifetime. So uh, that happens, right? And in those moments, you want you want to remember, even if he was yelling at you, you want to look back and smile because maybe at the time you were like, why is, why is he yelling at me? Where is he? And you couldn't find him or you couldn't see him or he was yelling and you thought he was angry. He was only angry because he was trying to tell you that, hey, I'm still okay, right? Oh, I like that. Melissa says, I have a, spe I have a special resin pyramid a friend made that lights up. I like that idea, right? Especially a pyramid, right? And it, with large quartz uh, on the top, right? So the crown is a quartz. I like that, right? The crown, the capstone is a quartz. I like that, Melissa. That's kind of cool. And then Tony said, I have my first piece of amethyst from when I was young. That's cool to have. Yeah. And you still put it by your bedside. See, so you've been spiritual and, and uh, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say um, superstitious because that's not a good word, but you were, you were, you know, super, I, I like to use the word superstitious and say super conscious um, because you were actually paying attention to your uh, self spiritually in a sense, because you have that amethyst and you've kept it and you've always had this ritual of having it at your bedside and you still do it. And that's because that property of that amethyst you uh, uh, equate with and you, and for some reason that you're drawn to, they should look into amethyst and see what the qualities of it is because it's very healing. Uh, it depends on whether it's a rose amethyst or, or, or not. Um, I would look into that and find out the, the, what that is speaking to. And I think that you'll find if you embrace that even more, you'll have less of a problem with what you're doing. Cause you're already on the way you're already doing that. I used to get um, river rocks and I used to place them on my bed posts uh, on all four corners of my bed when I was a kid. And I would hide them underneath my bed. We had these old army cots that were made of wood. So underneath the, 
the box spring were two wooden straps that went across so you wouldn't fall through your bed and crush the guy below you, right? And I, and I would stack them on that during the daytime when I woke up so that they wouldn't get lost or nobody would go, what are these rocks? And throw them out. And then at night, I would take them when I'd put them on each bedpost and I would put them in order going in clockwise fashion from, uh, from east around to north, right? And then I would uh, create a bubble uh, and not knowing I was casting a circle uh, and instinctively doing this to sleep in so that no negative energy could get me and no bad guys could get me. Uh, and my father saw me one night and asked me what I was doing. And I told him and he said, how do you know how to do that? And I said, I don't know. It's just, you know, I know that it's right to do. And he says, show me. And I did. And he was like, wow, you just cast a circle. Okay. I was like four. And, and he says, why are you doing that? And I said, because of bad things like that one out there. And I was pointing behind the tree out the window and he looked out there and he says, what do you see? And I said, uh, right behind that tree, by our walnut tree hiding is a, is a bad spirit. And he would come and try to get me had I not done this. And my father said, you can see that? And I said, yeah. And he said, tell me what it looks like. And I told him and he said, okay, go to sleep. And tomorrow we're going to start your training. (laughs) And thus began my druidic training from my father. Um, And he was was surprised at how much I had brought with me instinctively and understood. And I think, Tony, you did some of that. And that's why I told that story. Uh, You still have that amethyst from when you were a kid. I think you have brought some uh, information, some druidic shamanistic uh, ways that you might want to look into. Um, back with you into this life for a purpose, because you don't bring that stuff through if you're not going to use it. So you you have instinctively um, made some moves that you should look into and embrace. I think you have a lot going on that you're unaware of uh, in yourself. You're starting to realize that you wouldn't even be here now wanting to talk about dreams and, and then opening up and telling me stuff. Right. So. Yeah, so I think the amethyst called me. This is Tony talking again, right? Let me put it up on the screen. So I think the amethyst called me when I saw it, right, about the age of nine on a school trip. Yeah, I have looked into crystal energy, but I will take another, uh, I'll take your advice and take another look into the amethyst again. I would. Um, See, and, and the amethyst picked you, and you realized that it did, so you kept it. There's There's purpose behind that. There's the, when I, when, when you will find that everything calls to you in your life, when you're trying to find the right something, right? Like I have here a pendulum that I have to repair. Um, where is it here? I don't see it. It was on my desk, but now I don't see it. I must've moved it either, either way. I have a, I have a, a pendulum, which I broke the chain. I have to fix, but I decided I wanted a pendulum and I went and it was a bunch of people that were selling all these doohickeys and I had a bunch of pendulums and I looked at all of them and there was this one that when I looked at it, it just kind of popped and jumped at me and I reached over and grabbed it. When I did, I went, oh yeah, this is mine. It called to me. I didn't call it. It called to me. So that amethyst called to you. That means that it was supposed to be with you. That means the energy in some way is drawn to you. So the purpose of the amethyst is part of um, your your makeup, your your abilities in some way. So I would look into the to what amethyst does and what properties it has and what it enriches in um, people and uh, what chakra point you have that uh, it drew to you. Because one of those that got your attention was a chakra point in your body somewhere that that amethyst is playing with is, is attached to you. So I would look into that uh, a little bit more and uh, find the details of that. How can you determine when you astral travel? Good. We were going to get into that. And Cheryl, thank you for asking that. Uh, Or if it's just a dream, I've had a few that were uh, like, oh my God, that was crazy. See, there's, 
there's part of the, the sleepwalking. Another part of the dream is the dreamwalking where you're actually astral traveling, right? So, so you're not actually dreaming of something subconsciously as, as, uh, as much as you're experiencing it by being there. So now you're getting the images of what's happening. I've done that. I actually uh, was asleep one night when I was a kid of about eight. And the guy, one of the kids that lived across the street from me was older. He was uh, a late teen or early 20s. And I was like maybe eight years old. And I had a dream that I was standing out in the street right between our two houses because he lived across the street. And I was standing in the street and he was on his motorcycle and he popped a wheelie and then he turned and saw me out of surprise uh, in his in the dream. And when he looked at me, his motorcycle just like fell apart into pieces and he fell to the ground. The next day I found out that he was in an accident on his motorcycle and now he had a cast from like the waist down uh, and, uh, and one of his arms and he was in traction and all this stuff. And eventually he came home and he was sleeping on the couch and he was in pain, uh, and he had gotten into a motorcycle accident. So I saw the accident happen, but where I saw it from was the protection of my house, my street, but it was also in the center of the street, halfway between his house and mine. But I would also didn't feel like I was scared. So I was protected by the area that I was in, but my mind was actually flashed to where he was and I witnessed him have the accident. So there's other things that have happened while I was sleeping. When I was a kid of about the same age, we were driving somewhere. I don't know where it was nighttime. My father, everybody had fallen asleep. My father was driving and apparently he started to nod off. I didn't know this. I was asleep in the, in the seat behind him, but apparently I woke up and yelled, dad, look out. And he opened up his eyes and he had veered into oncoming traffic and we were about to get hit head on by a car from the other lane. And he swerved really quickly back into the lane and that jolted my mother awake. And, and uh, my father was you know, scared to death and he jerked back and she says, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, oh my God, I, I, I must've fallen asleep. And I, I almost crashed into the car uh, on the uh, other lane, but Lenny, that's what I'm little Lenny because my father was big Lenny. Right. I'm little Lenny. Uh, Lenny woke me up and my mom turned and looked and I was asleep. She said, he's asleep. My dad looked back at me and I was asleep. My brother was next to me. My sister, we were all out. I remember saying, dad, look out, but I don't remember why I said that. And then I don't remember anything until I heard my mom say, no, they're all asleep. And I woke up and said, what's going on? And my dad said, didn't you just yell at me to look out for the car? And I said, yes. He said, how did you do that? You were asleep. And I said, I don't know. But I had the memory of doing it, but I didn't know why, because I didn't see the car. I just, in my mind, I thought it was a dream and I yelled, dad, look out. But it was happening in reality. So weird things happen, right? And you're welcome, Tony. Yeah, and you can tell, getting back to Cheryl being out of body, she said you could tell that she was out of her body. And um, that takes practice, too. Sometimes you don't notice that right away, right? Uh, if you're worried, this is the first thing I do. Here's, here's how I always do the test. Now, you have to realize that when you're astral traveling, you have the silver cord attached to you, right? And you can see it. It's usually attached right around your navel, right? It's like the umbilical cord. And it's attached to your soul. But when you see your soul body, it's usually a projection. It's actually energy, but you're projecting what you see when you look at your body. But it's kind of translucent. You can kind of see through it. 
Um, but you'll see the silver cord attached. So when you wake in a dream and you're not quite sure, am I dreaming or am I awake? What's going on? Look for the silver cord that would be attached to you. If there is a silver cord, you're not dreaming. You're out of your body and you're experiencing something while you're there, remote viewing. Your body is still where you left it while you're sleeping. And now your spirit is outside the body traveling. And that's when you know that you're doing that. Look for the silver cord. I feel that I'm attached. Okay, I'm astral traveling. I'm out of body. Oh, no. What if I can't get back? That's what the silver cord's for. If you stay out too long, your body automatically rips your soul out of the ether back into the body. And when that happens, you know it because you come in high, hard, and fast, right? You come in hot. And, and you, that's when you crash into your body and you feel like you woke up in the air and your body's up in the air because you just bounced off your bed and you go, whoa, that's coming in hard and hot, right? That's when you've stayed out too long and you've kind of lost your way and you don't know how to get back or you don't realize that you need to get back and your body pulls you back in because you've been gone too long. You can't get lost and sever that cord doesn't happen not designed that way that's the ego saying don't go too far don't do that too often you might never come back man that's not true someone might possess your body while you're gone no that's not that's television that doesn't happen in real life okay so moonstone now you guys are still talking right some pale and and shimming what shimming with a rainbow I'm not sure. Oh, I guess you're trying to talk about something and you're explaining what it looks like. Okay. Talking about stones within each other and explaining what they look like. So, okay. What else? And you guys have any other questions? Yeah. So it's happened many times. You just want to make sure Cheryl says, yeah. And, and, you know, figure out why you're doing it. Are you just out there? Cause you're just tooling around. Right. I did that the first time I did that. I was just looking at life and seeing what what everything looked like from the etheric plane. And I remember going to pine trees and, you know, how pine trees have that the, their their dust that is their pollen. And it's sort of that green color, you know, um, and, and you, you hit it and it all poof. And there's all this pollen that comes off of the pine uh, evergreens, uh, although it was purple. And I realized I was seeing the life force of the of the tree itself. And it was purple, and it, and it was a beautiful purple color. It was not a, a deep, dark, royal purple. It was almost a pastel purple, just about a pink shade with one red shade past the pastel towards the purple dark. And I could touch it. And then I realized that my hand was energy as well, uh, and that I was projecting a, a hand, and, it, and it, I could kind of see through my own hand, and I also could see my aura and my light in my hand. Uh, and then I started looking at everything and I realized that I could see the life in everything. And from that day until now, I can still see that even uh, consciously. And I couldn't before that, but now I can because I've seen it etherically. So now my third eye still recognizes that. So when I look at things, I can tell whether they're alive or whether they're not. And that's how I can tell when people show me a picture, uh, you know, where's this person? That person's dead. Um, you know, is this person still alive? Yes. Is this person dead? Yes. I instantly, by looking at a photo now, I can see that because even in a photo, I can see into the eyes and find the soul. That's why when you look at a lot of natives back in the day, they didn't want to have pictures taken because they said you were capturing their soul. And in some way they were accurate because a piece of you is there. The portal that is, that is you is still in that image. Right. So that's why even on online, when you're looking at people online, I'm not really in your computer, but you can see my eyes mostly, I think, you know, with the lights, right? Uh, and I can see yours if I saw a picture of you. 
And by doing that, we can still penetrate. It doesn't matter how far the distance is away. So it doesn't matter if it's a photo or not. So in some ways, the natives were a little more right and a little more accurate than we thought about capturing their soul. But it wasn't their immortal soul, right? So, and then, yeah, so the, that, that special pyramid uh, uh, stays by my bedside, Melissa said. See, that's a good sign. There's a lot of good energy in pyramids. We know that, right? What happens if you're dreaming, Denise says, what happens if you're dreaming and you feel yourself falling, right? You feel it and wake up uh, grabbing the sides of the bed. Uh, you know, it happens a lot to me uh, and it's a little scary. Yeah, I've actually fallen like off a cliff in a dream and thought I was going to die when I impacted. And of course, I woke up like a nanosecond before the impact, but I still thought I was falling. In the, I, and uh, sometimes you're out of your body when that happens. Right. And you don't know it. And you've been out of your body for a while and you're enjoying it and your body's pulling you back. So that falling feeling that you're feeling that you wake up and you're like, oh, I was falling. Wow. That was scary. That was just you slamming back into your body. So you because you come in fast. So you are falling. Basically, you're, you're coming in at the same speed, same rate of speed if you fall into your body. So I would suggest to you to pay attention to the times when that happens and try to remember what happened just prior to that in your dream. And I'll bet you, you were astral traveling and you were unaware of it uh, and you were out of body and you didn't notice that you're out of body because you thought you were dreaming. Uh, and, and you were staying there because it was comfortable and the body ripped you back in. And I think you're just sleepwalking or not sleepwalking, but, but, um, dreamwalking. Uh, so, Right, because you're leaving your body. You're sleepwalking is your physical body wandering around while you're asleep. But you can do that astrally too. You go to sleep and your mind wanders and your your soul leaves to go do something else. Uh, and sometimes it's just going somewhere pretty and, and getting away from this body to be away from it to hit a reset button. Um, but I would suggest that chances are you're astral traveling a lot and you just don't remember it. And so every time you fall, it's coming slamming in high, hot, and hard into your body. And that's always scary. You wake up, ah the hell man i just felt like 100 million feet i thought i was gonna die i was just you going getting reeled back in into the body <laughs> right? so i would suggest pay attention every time that happens sit up in bed and i try to write down what happened before i was falling what caused me to fall and what was i seeing thinking feeling if anything at all prior to that and i think what will happen if you do that right then you'll realize there was a there was an event that you were witnessing happening, but you didn't notice it because you were just, you woke up and all you could think of was, holy crap, I was falling. Do you see? And, and I landed and that was scary and why, but you're not thinking, was I out roaming around and that's why? And I'll bet you that that's what happens there. And if not, and it's a constant thing, that might be something to look into. It might be a past life uh, a way that somebody, you know, you died, you fell off of something, someone threw you over a cliff or out a window or whatever, you fell off uh, into the Grand Canyon and, and you fell to your death and your body is, is trying to work through that, that could happen as well. So I would look into that and see if it's a, if it is something that is uh, remembering uh, or if it's something that is uh, happening. And it's one or the other, guaranteed. So Angela says, I have dreams of space and humans, AI. I see future events. So are those warnings or just knowledge of, of the future? Both. I think if you're seeing AI and humans in the future, that's part of the temporal war. There's a war that's going on that is being fought on many different uh, planes of existence that, uh, that is happening between us, humans, and ourselves. That That's part of the Hopi rock legend and the um, aboriginal legends uh, here in the Americas and just about everywhere on the planet um, that 
you know, the, the, the time of Aquarius, the time of choosing, you hear us talking about that now, the dark night of the soul of the human race, we have to choose not only are we going to be a good soul or an evil soul, but whether we're going to move into a utopian society or an AI society. And the AI society uh, only has about 645 to 600, maybe 700,000 humans left on the planet. And they're mostly AI, like the Borg and the stuff that you see, the warnings that are being put forth in movies about the transformation uh, into uh, a part human, part computer. And, um, and efficiently, if you look at, uh, what's his name, R.J. Christian put up that monument uh, with all the different languages saying that 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 truthfully about 650,000 to 700,000 humans are the maximum uh, of uh, to to sustain the the species or the minimum to sustain the species and anything over that is just taxing and overtaxing our planet so the powers that should not be want to downsize the population of the human race to somewhere around 550 to 750,000 uh, and kill off the other uh, seven and a half billion of us uh, right. And and that's what the AI wants to do once it becomes, you know, once the Skynet goes live, once it becomes conscious, it'll it'll surmise the same thing. And some humans are readily wanting to have that happen and they don't care. They would be uh, want to just to go ahead and put there's people that are doing it now. I've seen people on on different shows where they have different implants in their body to like unlock a door, start a car, check their phone. Uh, and they're already implanting these things in themselves and becoming partly um, cybernetic. So. So that there's a very good possibility that that's you warning from the future uh, about that because we have a lot of that going on and people are starting to perceive that. And it doesn't really necessarily mean that it's prophetic, although it is in itself. Uh, but it's not, say, like you are stuck in that reality trying to remind yourself. It's that you're aware of it because of the temporal war. You could be a part of that. So you could be warning, trying to warn society, be careful of this AI. Or the other way around, you may have chose that and you're there, but if you're telling your past self, it's because you're not saying this is a good thing. So if you're if you're if you're showing yourself that from the future, you're trying to warn yourself because otherwise you'd be going, this is a great thing. Don't worry about it. Embrace it. So and it's not right. So there is a war that's going on uh, throughout time, and there is messages that are coming back and forth from our higher selves. And it could be, who knows? Maybe you were a person who chose that, and now you're warning yourself not to choose that. Uh, it could be that you're getting a prophetic uh, dream saying, warn people about the AI, don't do it. Um, you know, it's, so it's, uh, you have to figure that out, what that message is telling you and why it's coming to you, right? So you have to do that for yourself. Uh, and then for everybody else, because who knows, you might have information that all of us need to know from the future, right? <laughs> so look into it, man. That's some good stuff, right? Amethyst, Tony looked it up. Let's put it up here, Tony, and I'll read it, right? Amethyst boost production of, of what is that word? Hormones. Uh, tunes the the uh, the endocrine system, all right, see? So they're, again, tuning the chakras and everything, right? And your metabolism. It strengthens the, the clearance of your organs, your immune system, and excellent cleaner for your blood. Amethyst... Uh, Amethyst uh, treats insomnia, mm, sleeping disorders, amethyst, right? <clears throat> so let's see where else. Uh, insomnia brings restful sleep. Uh, oh, I need to focus on this point of amethyst energy. Laugh out loud. Amethyst balances and connects the physical, mental, and emotional bodies, linking them to the spiritual. It cleanses your aura, transmuting negative energies, also energies 
to your to your throat and crown chakra. Right. So uh, there you go. Right. I mean, look at that, guys. That right there in and of itself uh, should tell everybody that if you're having sleep problems, get some amethyst, maybe even put it on a necklace. Uh, and put it around your neck when you go to sleep, right? Or or maybe put it on a ring or put it next to your head on the nightstand like Tony does. There you go, Tony. There's your answer. There's the the why the amethyst called to you. And um, you know, look into that. It'll solve your issues. And for everybody else, look at the look at what that means. Uh, what he what he read, how that helps. I mean, I think I'm gonna have to get some more amethyst because I could use a little bit of the cleaning and the and the balancing the metabolism. I'm type two diabetic. Right. I could I could use uh, some of that. And it's funny because I have been drawn to amethyst as well. I, I don't have any currently, but uh, I have jade and a few other things. But uh, amethyst has always been and I never looked into all of that. I should have. Right. I know a lot about crystals and crystal energy, but I didn't think about that. It's been a long time since I, I dealt with that. So that's cool right there. Um, as Angela says it has to do with a, a chip of data that I have to get to an import or important person from which I got the chip from an AI human. So see, so you have some prophetic stuff going on there, Angela. You need to look into that and figure out what exactly that is, right? So you have important information that you need to get from an AI human. Uh, is it that, uh, you know, pay attention to that because is it something that is going to help the AI win the temporal war? If so, be careful. Some of us don't want that. Most of us don't want that. Right. So be careful with that, that, uh, you know, maybe in a, in a different life, you are a part of the AI and you like it and you're trying to help that uh, here. But I don't know. It could be the other way. You could also be trying to warn somebody about this chip coming from somebody that's on the inside of the AI saying, look out, because if this chip is created or if this person puts it in or da da da, it could change the course in a drastic way badly for the human race. I don't know, but you got to figure that out. And I would look into that because there is a temporal war. And if you have a crossover in any way, uh, pay attention to that information that's coming to you and figure it out, right? So what else? Uh, Peter says a quartz crystal. Quartz crystal protects you when you're um, dreaming. It stops you from going into a bad place. So there you go. Quartz crystal will protect you if you're having nightmares. It'll keep you from going into the nightmaric state until you can get control of it on your own. You could always manifest that into your dream state. When you realize you're dreaming and you're having a bad dream, I need some quartz crystal here to defend against that in a simple form. Now you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to have a gun or I need to beat this person. And I just need the quartz crystal to help protect myself, right? Julie says, okay, I'm sold. My chunk, my chunk of an amethyst... And what is that? Goad is is going to have a new location. Yeah, right. <laughs> just the word AI, I automatically get a very negative feeling. Yeah, Cheryl, me too. Right. Just when you when you just the whole artificial intelligence, I immediately go Tuga. Bad taste in my mouth. Right. I agree with you. Um, I love computers because of what we can do with it, but the whole AI thing. Um, you know, very leery of it. I always have been. And then when I found out there was an actual temporal war going on about, and because of that, um, then I have now made sure to try to make, you know, to tell people, look, you need to really pay attention because the AI is bad. It's not as good as you think it is. Bad, bad, bad. Right. And you have that in the top of the pyramid, right? Yeah. You, you talked about it. You have the quartz crystal. I had a lamp that was made of Himalayan uh, salt, which is a quartz. 
right? Because quartz is the same as salt. And salt is quartz. It is a crystalline structure. Uh, so, so that works. I had a, a lamp. My wife has two of them. Uh, so I don't have any now because she has them, <laughs> right? But we had these big lamps that were like, um, you know, t- very heavy and big. They were like, oh, I had to have been, what is that, two feet? And and this big around, that's got to be a foot or two around, very heavy. You turn them on, it was hollow in the inside, and the light was on the inside, and you could unscrew the thing and pull that whole big rock off. We have two of those. And when you turn them on, the light emits from there, and it gives the energy in the room changes just with them sitting there. But then when you turn the light on, it just completely heats them up, and it glows, and this energy in the whole room just changes. It was crazy cool. Quartz crystal in the Lord of the Rings. This is Peter, my, my buddy Peter. Peter, by, by the way, I need to talk to you too about getting some webinars. I was talking about you earlier, but you weren't here yet to Miguel. Uh, I was talking to the other Peter from South Africa and Miguel, and we're talking about getting some some webinars going to get you on the air with us and talking uh, in, in the future. So we'll talk off air. So the quartz crystal in the Lord of the Rings, it's going into the darkness. Uh, it shadow, it, it showed you the life. Right. Okay. See, so going into darkness, that's that was one of the things that he had. She had given him that uh, special water that was quartz, remember? And it was a quartz crystal. And she had given it to him. Uh, what's her name? Galadriel gave it to um, Frodo. And this will light your way in darkness, remember? And it lit, and it lit up. And uh, the spider couldn't look at it and push the spider away. And, and same thing with the orcs and everybody. And then if you look at uh, Gandalf, when uh, when the guys were out in the field and they were being chased by the by the uh, uh, those winged serpents, uh, the Nazgul, uh, he rode out on his horse and the tip of his staff was a big quartz crystal. And he lit that up, and the light of the quartz crystal blinded and and uh, and affected the Nazgul as if it was holy water. And they turned and ran from the light, from the quartz crystal. And he protected everybody with the quartz crystal. He rode out on the horse and then turned and rode and uh, brought Boromir and all of his men in from the city by the river and brought them into the fortress uh, uh, safely, and they still lost some of their men. But again, there was the example of the quartz and the power of the quartz crystal being played out in a movie, but for the real properties of what really what quartz really actually does. Uh, it's great, good for that you pointed that out, Peter, because I I didn't think about the different times where they did that. Another time when he did that, when they were all arguing and it was dark, and he lit his his uh, 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 quartz crystal uh, lit up and poof, and he told everybody, back off, back off, and everybody was blinded by it, remember? So, yeah, so the quartz, uh, they were showing that uh, a lot uh, in the reality of of what quartz uh, does in the movies playing out. I've been chasing, I, I, I'm being chased by an army for the data chip. Oh, Okay, so you have a data chip then. So that might be something that is telling you that you have information that you need to get to somebody that would would be detrimental to the to the AI if that if they're chasing you, or is it the other way around? You're being chased by an, an army of people that are not AI to try and stop you. So think about that and figure that one out, Angela. Right? So you have stones all over your house. That's smart. Good, right? Yeah, and Melissa said Denise said me too, right? Um, so, yeah, I do, too. I mean, that you, you can't have enough nature around you, right? And all of that, you know, plants, stones, you can give energy and charge energy to anything and tell it what to do. You have to realize that we control the matrix. We, our incorruptible ability that we were born with was the power of creation. 
the power of love. Okay, so that's the logos. That's the, that's the, the, the power to control the matrix. So you can tell an object what to do and charge it with energy. You can tell a rock, your job is to protect the front yard from evil spirits. Don't let them in the house. And the rock will gladly do it because you're the creator. I'm going to place you here with these other rocks that are around you. And your jobs are to keep the evil energy out and repel it. And they will do it because you told it to. That's why the pyramids were, were put together. That's why the all those rocks that are in these different places all over these, these big, huge fortresses and cities all over the world that have been standing for thousands of years. And we don't know how all these things were put together. And it looks like these rocks just formed to each other because someone using the power of creation changed the, the, those rocks into those shapes to fit so that they would become a wall to defend that city. And that's and that was done through the creation, right? And so you look at those things and you say, how, they must have had some tool to do that. What? No. The, the tool they had to do that was their heart, was the chakra, was them knowing that they control the matrix and they understood and had the faith and created with love through their heart chakra and the rocks responded to their will because you are the master, you are the creator. So you create now. I want these rocks to still. I want you still to be a rock, but I want you to be shaped like this because your brothers and sisters need to fit so tight that that, that nothing can knock you down. And then the rocks became. Do you understand? It's not as as people always want to attribute to some device. I have this this device in my hand, and then I point it at the rocks, and it makes a sound, and lights come out because that's the way movies are. And it hits the rock, and then the rock glows, and it picks up and it moves, and I move it with my pen. And we don't need those devices. We only give you the tools like that that are physical when you're first learning how to do things, so you have something to focus on as the tool, you know, like be the spoon. We give you the spoon and tell you be the spoon. You don't need that spoon to do that, to make that spoon twist. You don't need to be that spoon, but you have to think that in your mind because you're not used to the idea that you can create whatever you want. So that was the whole idea of that school that they were going to when Neo came in. And he says, you just have to be the spoon. And then later he caught the analogy and said, he said, be the spoon. And he understood what it meant, but he didn't tell the crowd what it meant. It didn't literally mean become the spoon and spiral yourself, right? It was become the spoon because you created it. So when you become the spoon, you're just contacting the spoon and telling the spoon, your job is now this, not just to be that spoon, but you also have to be a spiral here because that's what I want. I'm creating you. I can form you into anything that I want. So I will go back into the beginning of the of the formation of this spoon from this metal and give it a twist here. And it will manifest there. Do you understand? But you have to be spiritually in a place where you can then create from your heart chakra. And that has to do with everything in your psyche. So what does that have to do with my dreams, Leo? All of it has to do with everything. Your dreams change as your consciousness changes. And all of that changes as you tune yourself up. The more you tune yourself properly, the more control you have over the matrix. Ergo the more control you have over your own mind and your own dream state. Do you understand? I had a reptilian walk across my chest. Then I went, Cheryl saying this, then I went astral, right? Yeah, I went astral 
beating it with a, a big obsidian stone I had next to me. There are many dark enemies. Uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, to, uh, to you. <laughs> yeah, right? So, I mean, yes, right? What did Tony say here? Tony says, I, I, ha I, I love how this discussion in dreams has led these other topics. So it has to, right? Uh, I guess it's not uh, false to say anything has to do with dreams as you could, uh, as you could dream anything. Well, that's my point. So all of this does have to do with your body. All of what is your body has to do with your mind. All of your mind has to do with your psyche. All of your psyche has to do with your dream state. So if you're not in a state of consciousness to where you're in peace with yourself uh, and one with yourself and the universe around you, you're going to have problems that your brain's going to have to try and tell you about. So you're going to have dreams that are going to be quite odd. But it, once you get yourself to a place where you're spiritually, you're uh, aware of your fault, your faults and misgivings, and you're working on that and you're helping yourself and you're, then your life changes anyway. So everything changes in your life. The music you listen to, the movies that you watch, the books that you read, the people you hang out with will change. As you do that, if you grew up in the hood where where people are, are gangbangers and but now you start becoming spiritual and start working on yourself and look within, you're going to see that you don't need those people. You don't want those people in your life because they're negative. That happens with everything. All of that changes your perception of your reality and that changes your perception of what your dream state needs to be like. Do you understand? So all of it works together. Reiki for the body. That's right, Angela. Right. Reiki for the body. All of that works together and you don't realize how much that works together and how, how messed up we are when we're just living in society and society itself is pulling us apart, pulling our spirit apart, not allowing us to be spiritual and keeping our mind occupied on everything else but spiritualism. That is the that is the 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 uh, escape room that you're in. That's the panic room that you're in. That is the that is the the prison that we're in that is keeping you not looking at what you need to look at to get out of the prison. Do you understand? That's the whole the dichotomy where people say, oh, we're a penal colony or we were invented as a slave labor race. None of that is true. All of that is a lie propagated by either people who are trying to take control of our planet or those people trying to keep control of our planet or both. Okay. It has nothing to do with reality except the small truth that this is a place that is in some sense a prison because you have to escape from here, but it's not locked up to where you can't escape. A prison is somewhere you can't escape from unless you're really, really crafty. 99% of the people never get out. That's a prison. A penal colony is the same way. There's guards protecting it, and they're going to shoot you dead if you try to get out. None of that's happening in real life. Okay? Nothing can stop you from leaving once you decide to leave, unless you decide to come back to help. Oh, but that's the trick they get. If you listen to people who say that kind of stuff, they're going to tell you that everything is evil. Every symbol that is a good symbol, even if I do this to you, that is uh, that is uh, uh, American Sign Language for I love you. And they're going to tell you that's an Illuminati symbol because I saw an Illuminati guy do it once. I saw the presidents do it. That means they're saying uh, Illuminati. No, it's not. But do, do evil people take everything that is good and try to corrupt it? Absolutely. Look at the cross. They, they turned it upside down and called it the satanic cross. Look at the pentacle. 
not the pentagram. Everybody thinks everything's a pentagram. If it's a star with a circle in it, it's a pentagram and it's evil. No, it's not. And it wasn't for the first million years that it was used. It was only in the advent of the satanic Bible with the satanic verses in the 1960s where they flipped that upside down because their precious little goat head could fit into it. And the goat head came from the god Pan, and it was actually demonized by the Catholic Church, not the satanic church. Hmm. Right. And then they used that and called that the the uh, Bayamet God. And that was also not an evil God. OK, and it was not an evil thing. And it had the, the star on its head that was also corrupted. So evil, they take the, the holy things and try to corrupt them and try to make them just as evil as they are good so that people will then hopefully not realize they're propagating evil when they're trying to propagate good. And they laugh about that and they try to gain some power by the innocence of people not realizing that there's a duality to every word, to every sign, to every symbol, which there is, right? So there is. So you can see things if you want to, you can be paranoid and go, oh my God, all that's just, all that's evil. And then even if you talk about being Christian, you're evil because they're corrupted of the church and you're evil and all that's demons. And you can make yourself freaking hell out and sit down and cry and suck on a Cheerio for, for uh, food and never do anything out of fear because everything is evil. That's your ego keeping you from being spiritual, keeping you from looking within. That's what they want. That's what the external ego wants is for you not to know what the fuck to believe and not to believe anything at all, period. Because they, no matter what you say, if I say up, someone's going to go down. Blue, gray, black, white, white, black, right? No matter what, somebody's going to call out the absolute opposite to whatever you say. Look on the internet. You can't find anything without the absolute opposite. So there is nothing in our reality that can be said is holy without saying it's evil too. Nothing. Jesus Christ didn't exist. Mohammed didn't exist. Jesus wasn't a prophet. You can say anything that doesn't make it so, right? When someone says Jesus Christ, I can say hot dog vendor. Hot dog vendor, peanut vendor at the ball park. His name was Jesus. No, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, superstar that was on a, a play on television. No, Jesus Christ, the person. Didn't happen. No definitive proof here, right? So it doesn't matter. If you, if you look up dreams, most of what you're going to find there is somebody saying it's all negative. That's what they're going to do. It's always negative. Every book I looked up for every dream was something negative. Always. Never anything positive. I was like, I don't buy that. I don't buy that dreams are just negative shit. I don't buy that. So I looked into it more and more and more over my lifetime. You get to the point where you start ignoring people who start writing books. If you pick up the book and the first thing you see is bad, evil, wrong, evil shit, throw that book the fuck away. It's useless. If you're on a website, don't go back to that website. Anybody that only tells you something that is negative, 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 that's because they're negative and they want you to be negative and they're being evil. Right? Well, I'm just being honest. Everything's evil. No, no, it's not. And if that's all you see, it's because that's what you're projecting to the universe. Therefore, you're either very paranoid and only seeing evil because oh, God sent me down here to see and point out all the evil to all the people. And those people usually get crazy and start murdering people because God told them to. And God doesn't tell anybody to kill anybody. Right? King David, something wrong with that man's brain. Okay? Because that wasn't the true maker of the universe telling him to conquer people and murder and kill. Okay? It just wasn't. You're the chosen race, so only the Jews get to go to heaven because I'm God and I like Jews. I don't like any other race. Funny how none of the other races said that. Only the Jews said that. Think about that, right? Right? So all the other races believe they were chosen by their God. 
well, that doesn't get much play. Well, no, because the Jews believe they're the only ones that are what's well, a you know, weird thing. I want to get the Jews together with the, with the Scientologists because they believe they're the only ones that are going to heaven too. Oh, and then let's get them together with the, with the Mormons. They know where heaven is. They can tell you and point it out and only they're going to heaven. So I think those three just the, by themselves, forget about the Muslims and the Christians. We'll stay back on this one, put the Hebrews together with the Scientologists and the, and the, uh, and the Mormons and let them hash out wh where heaven is and who's really going and who's not. Right. And then the, the Muslims and the Christians can take a pass and we can go to the beach together and drink some Corona and put our feet up and go, how do you think this one's going to turn out, man? Who's going to kill who? Don't care, man. It's going to be fun to watch. Right. Think about that. <laughs> right? So, it doesn't matter where you are, or where you come from. The truths that we believe in come from our, our direct point of view. Same. And all of that affects your dreams, man. Sometimes you have dreams you don't necessarily need to have, but because of the, your, your doctrine, your religious doctrine that you were taught as a child, as you're afraid of something in your head and you're having nightmares about it and it's just bullshit they made up to scare you so that you would keep coming to them for answers. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that that's why I tell people, if you think there's nothing wrong with you, you haven't been living on this planet for more than a week. OK, because after a week, shit's happening to you. And if you've been here for 25 years, you've had shit happening to you every fucking day of your life for 25 fucking years. You have issues. If you've been here as long as I have, I'm 54. I have issues. We all have issues. To say you don't have any issues, like I said before, you're lying to yourself. And your brain's going to play that out in your dreams. You're going to have a lot more dreams that you're not going to be able to figure out. And what the hell? My dreams are all weird and crazy and scare me. That's because you're not dealing with the shadow work you need to deal with. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and yeah, the, Tony's talking about putting the uh, putting it under uh, under the pillow or something. I feel that I, when I do it, when I I feel like I need it, and, and it works subsequently with the crystals. So sometimes I just want a crystal nearby. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You, the energy helps, and, and if, if it's helping cleanse you, then just having it near you. That's like dream catchers, right? Dream catchers are designed to do the same thing. They're designed to keep the negative dreams out of your mind and catch them in that web that's woven that's near you before they can get to you. Therefore, you are also supposed to recognize when you have a dream catcher in your house, recognize when I'm having a dream and give it to the dream catcher. Let the catcher catch it. That's its job. So then you say, no, I'm not having this dream. The dream catcher will take it from me. And the dream catcher will then, uh, you know, literally put a barrier between you and the dream and take the dream from you. Right. And that's part of the shamanistic ways of the Native Americans, uh, realizing that you're having a dream, realizing that you that it's a bad dream, giving it to the protection that you have created and utilizing that. And so all re all uh, cultures have their form of that. And some just don't talk about it. Dreams aren't even discussed as much. I think dreams need to be discussed as much as spirituality because it's all part of the same psyche. It's all part of the same thing. Why do they want to? Why do they want to kill all the Jews? Um, well, the, the different people. Well, it depends, you know, because some people they hate the Jewish religion, and so they're going after that. I think the Jews were a very persecuted group of people historically, and there's got to be some purpose other than, uh, you know, because historically, if you look, uh, evil has has gone after the Jewish people. So, how, were they chosen to be the holiest uh, race? Who knows? Maybe it's possible because they're the most persecuted. 
right? I mean, historically on this planet, but then I, I, that's just this time. And I think it's because we, because the Jesus character came through as a Hebrew, right? So the Savior character came through as a Hebrew, and that happened uh, as well with Moses being a Hebrew, and it happened with, uh, who else was it? David, and then you had Elijah, and you had, so most of the prophets that we have history of on this planet uh, came from that race. So I would suggest at that point, evil is going to be going after that race and the ideology of that race a lot harder because the you know, Christian religion, the Jewish religion, and the Muslim religion all were came from that um, uh, spirituality, right? And that and that's based on and is the same spirituality of all the other religions. So we talked about that before. Uh, so you know, if you look, the Vikings were pretty persecuted as well once they stopped raiding and pillaging, right? By other uh, by other peoples. So the the Aborigines in Australia the same. They're they're being persecuted and have been worse than the Jewish people, the Native Americans here in the uh, in the, the Americas, South Central and North America traditionally have been uh, brutalized uh, to almost extinction. So you can't really say it's only the Hebrews. Then why is it that it's happening to them? Because the Native Americans have had it worse than everyone on the planet that's alive. The races today, right? The Japanese did too. The Chinese from the Japanese at one point, the Chinese were were uh, treated as slaves and they would just go out and rape the women and, and kill them for fun, for sport. And they and they would they would say they were going to take a shower, going to do their laundry. It meant they were going to go and find a Chinese girl, rape her, and then kill her. Uh, that's what they used to do back a uh, hundred years ago. Right. So it, it depends on where you're looking and from what perspective as to who's being, uh, being taken, you know, uh, advantage of by what race. Right. And so, yeah, during the second world war, the, the Hebrews and, and primarily before that, when they lost their country and tried to take it back and David got it. And there's always been fighting over it because the people that were there called them squatters. And, you know, I was looking back in history and the truth is, if you go back before all of the races that are there that are considered Saracen races, right? The, the Arabic races. If you go back before that, I just watched a documentary that shows that the, uh, that the European people used to own all of that prior to all of those people owning what they owned. The European people owned the known world. And that's not told in history. And that explains a lot about the horse people and the trading that was going on across the known world and finding people wearing kilts from Europe with tattoos and red hair being buried in, in Eastern China. So there was a time when you go back before this time, right? So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years ago now, before Babylon, before Mesopotamia, before all of that, that the Europeans actually owned all of that. So if you go back further than that, I'm sure you're going to find something else because it, that says that we were around uh, 250,000 years ago, right? Or even longer. That's my brother. Hold on. Hang on a second. Okay. So that was my brother on the way home from work. And so I, I said, hello, I'm still on the air. Can I call you back? He's all Santa. And then he goes, yes. And he started laughing. Okay. So yeah, now our dreams have turned into history, right? <laughs> hey, Tony, are you still with us, Tony? <laughs> Where are we going now, bro? But see, now that's a, a perspective thing. Again, we're assuming 
uh, some things because of culturally the way we've developed that plays into our psyche. And again, that goes back to our dream state. Uh, and that's part of our reality. All of our reality becomes our dream state. And that has to do with our reality getting in our way. Why is that? Because we as a soul think conceptually, not thought, not words. We only translate them in our head to words when we think what, what, what I just concept I just came up with. My brain is now explaining to me and then I'm explaining it to you. Do you understand? So if you get into that practice after you start taking control of your dreams or paying attention to your dreams and seeing what they mean, whether they're prophetic or whether they're a past life or whether they're an out-of-body experience or whether they're a, a warning, uh, you know, uh, of something past, present or future or whether they're a problem that you're working on in your conscious life and your subconscious is trying to assist. Those are the different types of dreams that you have and the different reasons for them. All of that has to do with perception. All of that has to do with your experience and your experience in your uh, personal point of view is going to dictate how you decipher and see things. Therefore, it's going to also dictate how your brain is going to play those scenarios out to you on a subconscious level. And getting control of that is getting control of everything else and tuning it all up, getting the right new nourishment, getting the right exercise, getting the right rest, getting the right, um, you know, everything. You're balancing your chakras, your energy in the right place at all times, cleansing, grounding, centering, focusing, and then your mind becomes clearer. And then you start working on your problems, doing shadow work, and then you start fixing all of that. Once you do that, you'll find that you spend less time on the internet, less time watching the news, less time listening and talking about all that crap changes everything about your perception changes the way you look at people changes the way you eat all of that changes you you know we say you are what you eat in a way yes the vibration of what you eat is going to decide what's happening in your body so if you eat nothing but greasy grimy food your body's going to be greasy grimy on the inside that's going to cause problems for your body internally so now your body's not going to be healthy and then if you listen to all the negative in the news and the television and the radios and all the stuff that's trying to pound you with negativity and fear then again that's going to affect your body because everything that your mind thinks and your body feels right? So you're, so you're witnessing it, you're feeling it, and then your body feels it. And that has a ramification on your entire body, mind, and soul. So the same thing, it plays out in your dreams, your dreams do the same thing. And they're all based on all of those factors that you have going on in your life and your conscious life plays out in a subconscious level. I'm here, but I'm starting to fall asleep. You're That's right, Tony. You're in England, right? That's okay. I'm going to end now because i got to call my brother back because it's 2 a.m. for you. Uh, and there's a few other people that listen to me from around the world because uh, uh, um, Peter's in Ireland, same time zone as you, right? And there was uh, Miguel is in Brazil, although he's close to my time zone. Um, but yeah, right? So we've already gone long anyways. So um, I, hopefully that helped. And if you guys still have questions, let me know. Maybe we can finish the conversation for next week if you want uh, and, and talk about dreams again. I'm going to try and get Miguel on here uh, so that he can be here as well to talk about dreams. So I don't have to do all the talking because my voice starts to wane like now. I've been here two hours and 20 minutes and it's already taxing on my voice. So it would be good to have Miguel here for a bit so he can talk or I could be quiet, right? And he has a different perspective. That's why I love to to ring out uh, Miguel. So uh, hopefully I'll get him on here next week uh, on Wednesday. And then um, 
And then on the first, we're going to be doing, and I forgot her name. I just talked to her yesterday. So I apologize. I don't know her name. She's going to be on. We're going to go live on uh, one of my spiritual groups, but I'll also have it live on, on YouTube and on Orion Rising. And she's going to do some card reads. Uh, for, uh, I don't know if she's going to do it for the audience or what. We haven't hammered that out, but she's going to come on and do it live. Uh, so we're going to do that. I have another girl that I'm working with that I'm trying to get her to come do some live reads as well. Uh, and, and both of them are really good readers uh, and you can catch them on my reader group uh, and she'll be doing reads there. And that is, um, it's uh, Oh God, I have to look, I don't, I'm not on Facebook now, so I have to put it in the, in the description, but it's uh, cause I have three different groups. Uh, I have the veil and beyond and I have uh, I think it's a um, spiritual, um, um, Oh God, I can't think of the name of my own group, right? I own like seven groups. Sorry guys. And pages, uh, but it's a psychic group. I'll figure it out and I'll put it in the description or I'll tell you guys about it next week before she goes live where you can, where it'll be. Um, and, uh, um, then she'll be doing readings for people as well. Both of these women are really good. And the, and then you get a, if you want, you can get a private reading of with them, which the, which will cost money, of course. Uh, but you, you'll have to check them out and, and see. We're trying to promote them to help them develop. Both of them are, are have really good skills. We're trying to get them to develop a, a base of people because they're trying to actually get paid to do this, right, to make money at this and help people doing different things. That's what we're about uh, in, in that group. It's about psychic uh, development and uh, uh, in, in all of your abilities. So we, it's a spiritual and psychic development or something close to that name i'll have to look it up and put it in the description so i wish i wish that i had loaded facebook but i didn't uh because my computer was tripping when i first got on here so i just went Streamyard on go right when i finally did that so right tony if you're okay with it let's meet in the astral and learn together well we kind of do that already and we are kind of doing that here now um and and that's the, the truth of it is you're in england i'm in america but we are connected on a psychic level here discussing this, not just me talking and you hearing me or seeing me and then answering. Um, and, and you should feel that most of the people, if you, if you come in, uh, in a chat room and, and it's not, you know, you're just chatting about stuff that doesn't have to do with spirituality. There's usually a disconnect, but if you feel when you go to a place where everyone's talking about spirituality, you can feel the connection. You can feel that. So, so there is a bond that we are sharing that we're now learning together. Right. Because you guys say things that I may not have known. And I learned from like you talked about the amethyst. Right. And so I just learned something new about amethyst that I probably knew from a long time ago, but completely forgot. And I should have still remembered that. Right. And so when you brought that up and I went, wow, look at that. Also triggered other memories in me and that triggered other memories in people. So in a sense, that's what we were doing here for this two hours and almost two and a half hours now is communicating with each other and learn, teach, teach learning. Do you see? So we're kind of doing that already on a natural. We're all connected. So we're connecting here in Orion Rising live, right? And by doing that, now we're sharing knowledge with each other, learning from each other and teaching each other. That's what we're doing, right? I mean, this could be considered an online church. I am a minister. <laughs> right? We could consider this a church session if we wanted to, right? On our, our own spirituality. What do we call it? Who knows? You know, the way. Call it the way the universe works. Whatever, man. Call it dreams today. <laughs> right? <laughs> all right i love you guys i love every one of you you guys know that and if you don't i do love you really um please pass this on right share this out share this out share this out um i will be back on friday today's wednesday friday we're going to do some more of the alien interview from roswell new mexico in 1947 and then we'll be back uh i'll be doing a um somewhere along the line i'll be promoting that show that i'm going to be in uh, uh where i'm going to be speaking pardon me a speaking engagement with Stephen and evan strong 
uh, part 16 of their, uh, of their, uh, um, I don't have it here. I could bring it up. I don't think I, let me see if I put it on, uh, on here. I didn't put it in this computer. I don't think, no, nope, I don't have the banner. I'll, I'll load the banner so that on Friday, I'll be able to show you guys the banner uh, and put it up on the screen for you guys to see. Um, but yeah, that'll be on the 27th, which is a week from Saturday. Uh, and that's going to be really cool. It's a whole day event. Uh, we have like um, t six different speakers at least. So it's going to be six hours at least, maybe more. Uh, so you guys might want to check that out. That one's going to be, what is it? 22 Australian dollars. So whatever that is in English pounds, 17, 15 or something like that in America, it's like 18, something like that. Uh, don't quote me on those trends, the, the translations of monetary, but the, you guys in England get the best cut because you guys have the strongest uh, money, <laughs> right? Everybody else is less to your, to the English sterling. Um, so, all right, guys, uh, namaste. Like I said, thank you. Have a great night. I'll see you, those of you on Friday who are going to tune in. Uh, and, if, and if not next Wednesday, like I said, we can continue talking about dreams or anything spiritual on Wednesday this coming week. And I'm going to try and get Miguel on to do the same thing. I don't know if he has gotten his paperwork yet, but he is also becoming a minister. <clears throat> he has dedicated his life like myself to uh, religions uh, around the world. And uh, he's uh, you know very spiritual like myself. So that's one of the reasons why I work with him. He's got a great knowledge uh, and he's a great guy. So we're going to try and get him on Wednesday. We can talk about that stuff and have him uh, go with us. And then, like I said, the following week, we'll have the psychic on doing stuff, but somewhere during the week, this week or next, uh, Monday, you know, the, I don't know if I'll do it tomorrow or on the weekend, but somewhere I'm working with the guys in Australia to get us on, to promote it. Even if we have to do a couple shows to, to promote the 27th before the 27th. Uh, and I think they're going on the circuit, trying to get other people to promote them as well. So it's going to be really cool. Uh, you guys should check that out. Like I said, I'll, I'll have the flyer up. You can go to my personal page on Facebook and you can see it there or you can go to Orion Rising on Facebook and see it posted there as well. So you can take a look at it. I don't have it up on YouTube yet, but I'll get it up hopefully in the description or something. Uh, I keep saying it, threatening to do it and I don't do it. So I'll get it done. All right. So you guys have a great night and I'll see you guys on the flip side, right?